My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a Domino podcast with my friend, Dan White. And for five years, we have brought you the very best of the network, but it's time for a change. Now, we don't just confine ourselves to Vinnie Mac, bring you AEW, Impact, NJPW, and all the latest for the British wrestling scene. But we will still bring you all our old favourites, including NXT Update, Takeovers and live shows for the Big Four. This year we will decide who is the greatest British wrestler in the world, plus so much more. But until we watch everything, we are with you and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's the WNR 279, it's NXT Update. Yes, when the world is beginning to end, everybody's going crazy, we try and just bring you a little bit of stability on the WNR podcast. Before we do anything, let's do the alternate intro now more than ever. I mean, think of your fellow man. Lend him a helping hand. But don't get too close, social distancing allows yes. two metres. Yeah, we are... Well, I mean, we are social distancing. We should say that. I mean, just put a little love in your heart. You'll see it's getting late. Oh, please don't hesitate. Put a love in your heart. And the world will be a better place. And the world will be a better place for you and me. You just wait and see. Put a little love in your heart. And I think that now, more than any time, I think that I have personally been alive we need to actually just be cool with each other. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I've seen, I heard a lot of stories. I'm mine's quite closely to the ground. And I've just got a couple of quick stories about this before we get on to NXT update. First one, uh, I'm quite friendly with a few posties and postmen and stuff like this. Post told me the other day, one of her workers, a woman as well, got spat on by a teenager. And I've heard stories about this. Now, I know, you know, I, I'll reach and stuff like this uh, with the audience. It's quite simple. Don't be a cunt, I think, would be the same thing to say. Why are you actually fucking doing this for? What is the point? These guys are their job and trying to, you know, get along with life. They might not want to work, but they're having to work because they're key workers, they support fucking team. Do you know what I mean? The postman. Let them do their fucking job. You know, it's these dickheads on... I saw you saw the video as well, that twat licking the toilet bowl. He's got coronavirus. Yes, fuck Good. It. Jesus Christ. Do you know Good. what I'm saying? What, are we that fucking stupid? Is it natural selection, is it, that's going to wipe out the fucking idiots in this world? I'm sorry, but, you know, I, I don't want to go on, but this is serious fucking times, you know. Go uh, Also, I'd like to say, you know, on behalf of me and the WNR podcast, that we both stood outside in our streets at 8 o'clock the other night and gave our NHS workers, and not just NHS workers, but everyone around the country that's kind of helping the delivery drivers, the supermarket workers the nhs you know they are doing a huge massive job you know around the world and you know just everyone that has kind of had to work and is going to work and just doing everything and the clap was for them as well 
Well, about that. I mean, was there anybody that you know that didn't do it? I think this is the, the question: is that if your followers or you know people even on Twitter or your friends didn't do it, then maybe they're not the type of people that you hang around with at this point in time. Everybody I knew did it, and there's another one as well that I heard. It was horrible the other day. Uh, one of my friends' daughters. Uh, they're actually a student nurse, which means they're not getting paid anything at this moment in time to be on the front line. And she got moved to the intensive care unit as well, which is the kind of worst point. Now you consider that she is doing a job. She's working six days. Uh, of the week uh, hours you know are, are crazy and not getting paid for this and being on the front line and you people at home if you can't be bothered just to stay in because you're bored or you want to go out and do something like that or you're not respect to social distancing when there's someone like that in the world then you sir are a cunt as well i will say that um i, I didn't mean to get my high horse this early on but uh, you know in these times dan like i said you just need to, it's it's common fucking sense with it as well. And there was just a couple of stories, you know. But anyway, we will move on. And our episode, like we say, we're going to try and get on with it. Uh, here's the intro. In these tough times, a W&R will try to give you a break from it. And today's show is a staple of the podcast. NXT update. Yeah, and Dan, when does NXT update start? Now! So here we go. February 19th. And after the TakeOver Portland highlight package... A reminder of Velveteen Dream and Roderick Strong's issues. Mara Ronaldo welcomes us to full sale. Entering first tonight, it's the Undisputed Era. Well, Ronaldo discusses with Nigel McGuinness and Beth Phoenix how Adam Cole is the only member of the group wearing gold now and puts over how long he's been NXT champ. Cole mocks Tommaso Ciampa and says the group isn't going nowhere. They're going to continue to set an example, starting with Roddy's match with Dream tonight. Well, before Strong can say anything, the purple light comes on and Dream's voice comes over the loudspeakers. After some more stuff about taking care of Marina Shafir, he says tonight he just wants it to be the two of them. Roddy vows on everything he is a man and he's going to rid us of the Velveteen Dream experience. The announcers discuss Johnny Gagano's actions on Sunday night and it's time for our first match for the Cruiserweight title. And it's Leo Rush versus Jordan Devlin. Well, we get the big fight intros. Rush is one step ahead of the champ at the bell, so Devlin rolls out. Well, both men hit each other with cross bodies as soon as we come back to the ad break. They use the ropes to get up, and Rush is able to kick Devlin to the floor and connect with a suicide dive. He throws the champ back in and flies for a cross body off the top for a near fall. Back to the corner, Rush throws Devlin over the ropes, but he lands on the apron and pops back over for a cutter. Rush rolls out, penalty kick for the Irishman, and they both trade flips onto one another on the floor. Well, Devlin evades another crossbody, gets a cover off the neat exchange, but then takes a standing Spanish fly. But Rush transitions into the Koji clutch. Foot on the ropes for the break. Leo climbs but gets clutched. Devlin cry, cl- climbs and they fight there. Rush wins the battle and hits an avalanche poison rana. Come up, one, two, and foot on the ropes. The man of the hour climbs for the final hour, but the champ moves, headbutt, Devlin slide. Yeah, Jordan Devlin defeats Leo Rush, and I mean, that was quite a big win for for the Irishman there, beating someone that has been on quite a roll on NXT. Well, during that match, Mauro told us Danny Burch and Laney Lorcan will battle the Bruiserweights tonight. Devlin poses for a bit before we swing. Well, Kathy Kelly's replacement gets a minute with Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Gonzalez says Tegan Knox has gotten all the opportunities and left Kai behind. She knows what it's like because she sat at the performance centre and seen everyone else get opportunities that should have been hers. Dakota says Raquel proved that she has her back, so that goes both ways. And together, they're untouchable. Well, General Manager William Regal interrupts, saying they're untouchable, which is why in two weeks, Kai's rematch with Knox will take place in a steel cage. After a break, we see Ra Ripley being mean to Undisputed's Kathy Kelly. She's fine with Charlotte Flair attacking her because she's got what she wanted. 
At WrestleMania, even queens get nightmares. Well, it's Austin Theory versus... But before Theory's opponent arrives, here comes Tommaso Ciampa. He gets a mic and heads into the ring. Daddy starts talking and Theory approaches, so Ciampa warns him, not tonight. The ref backs Austin off. Well, Ciampa says a part of him thinks he should have seen this coming. He was focused on getting Goldie back. He stopped paying attention to his surroundings. There were signs like the odd timing of a tag team reunion. He stopped listening to that voice inside, but if one thing has always been tied to him and the NXT title, it's Johnny Gargano. But he's not asking why he knows, and Johnny knows. Fury grabs the mic, and it gets dropped. Well, continuing, it's clear that if he's going to get his life back, there can be no Johnny Gargano in NXT. The Blackheart goes to leave, but Fury tries to grab him. Dropped again, running in... Minutes throwing in, spends minutes throwing the youngster into barricade until he gets tired and Fury has welts on his back. No match then, I guess. Well, we see Robert Stone directing a fashion shoot for Chelsea Green for another commercial. After that, we get a warning from Finn Balor. Then we move on to our next match. It's Raul Mendoza versus Harqueen Wilde versus the Grizzled Young Vets. Well, he isolates the high flower in the corner through several tags, striking more covers in the process. Strikes and the moonsault finally get the tag. Mendoza, he's on fire, baby. Put both men down with forearms and drop kicks. He stays ahead of Gibson to the throat thrust, puts him down. Raul Drake in and runs up Mendoza's back to kick Wild off the apron. Another tag, ticket to mayhem, and that's it. Yes, yeah, so the Grizzle Jung Vets defeated Mendoza and Wild via pinfall. Well, Liverpool number one with a mic. He says it isn't land of the free and the brave. It's the home of the neckbreds and whiners. They're the GYV, soon to be the world's number one. Well, Nigel reminds us about TakeOver Dublin. Then the Bruceway and his bro are here with their new tag team titles. Matt Riddle gets mics for he and Pete Dunn. They soak in some chance before Riddle asks where their golf cart is. Dunn says he got it impounded, but all that matters is they're the new champs. We get more chance and Riddle says the party continues. You know, Stallion Riddle parted hard in Portland. Stallion Pete is a machine, but Stallion Cup parted too hard. He failed a wellness test and is suspended 30 days. The Brit and Brawlers have heard enough and they head right to the ring. And the next match is versus Only Lorcan and Danny Burch. Yes, well, back we watched that on the Magnificent Seven episode, so we cut over that if you want to listen to it, then go back to our Magnificent it, it Seven episode. It was quite a good match. Quite a good match. It was quite nice, actually. It was quite nice. Well, backstage, Strong is te- telling the era that he has to do this by himself tonight. After a break, the Forgotten Sons are not happy about the Grizzled Jung Vets trashing on the US of A. Well, the North American champ is here and Keith Lee's in his... Ring gear, he sees some clips of him on W backstage and he climbs into the ring and gets a mic. Connor Reeves' music hits. He has a mic of his own, but he gets pounced. Lee tells the ref to ring the bell. Well, that is Keith Lee versus Kona Reeves and the Big Bang Catastrophe. That's it. That is the match. Yeah, Keith Lee wins and then Dominic Dijakovic is here. He tells Keith he's sorry, but he's not ready to move on yet. They both know Double D had him beat on Sunday because he missed the Spanish fly from the top and hurt his back. The champ cuts him off and says, if, 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 all you have is excuses. Well, Dijakovic says none of that matters. He won the match. But everywhere they go, when they're in the ring, all he hears is fight forever. And the crowd obliged to it. Fight forever. So if Dom can convince Regal, he's down. They can fight forever. Lee leaves as we get another commercial. And then when we're back, it's Caden Carter versus Chelsea Green. Well, Robert Stone introduces Chelsea Green as the face of the women's division. Well, kicks and slam get two. Two. Then she locks on a camel clutch, but Carter powers out. Green catapults her in the ropes for another near fall. Carter tries corner, but Green stands on her hair. And here comes Bianca Belair. She says she's going to let them finish, but she tells Charlotte Flair she didn't go here. 
But Flair had to put her hands on her, so now the EST wants her hair. Well, she doesn't care if it's here or there. She's going to whip that ass anywhere. Well, the match then does continue. Carter's doing well, but Stone grabs her ankle on the apron, allowing his client to hit the unprettier. We'll happen next week, along with something from Finn Balor. Knox and Kai's cage match is the week after. And our main event for today's show is Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong. And this has become a very personal feud between the two, with Velveteen Dream getting inside Strong's um, head, I think, with the references to his wife as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, you saw the tights that um, Velveteen Dream was wearing, a picture of Roddy Strong's wife and kid with him instead of uh, Roddy Strong. I do like the way Velveteen Dream just takes it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not many wrestlers that can do it and do that well, and the Dream does seem to do that. It's good to see the Dream back after such a long injury as well. Is he still going to be, I know it's a bit too early to say, is he going to be as hot as he was before his injury? Do you think there's still a chance for him to kind of gain momentum and be the breakout star of NXT? Well, I think, you know, being off, like, you know, other wrestlers have had a chance to get hot, you know, namely Keith Lee. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. he has got red hot. He's on fire, baby. <laughs> but, you know, with Velveteen Dream back, he can build up that heat again. Yeah. You know, if someone has that capability of bringing matches into a personal light and, you know, just kind of being him as he's kind of ushering Roderick Strong into the ring, like, you know, kind of waving his finger towards him and doing the Rick Rude kind of hip gyration. I think you could say between these two wrestlers, don't get me wrong, Roderick Strong is a talented guy and has done a lot in his career. But you would say, we talk about cookie-cutter wrestlers of kind of, you, you know, watch independent wrestling, you'll see these kind of wrestlers who are kind of, kind of look the same, do you know what I mean? Or, or we had that back a few years ago with like long tight super kicks, do you know what I mean? And Roger Strong's a guy that maybe you could put anybody, not anybody in that place, but, you know, most people, and it wouldn't really make a difference. I think for the Dream, it's the kind of character that sticks out and he kind of, no one does it like the Dream, you know? Absolutely, again, but not taking any Roderick Strong, what I've noticed of him recently is he can have bloody great matches with absolutely anyone you put him in a ring with and that is a hard talent to come by without a doubt and he'd been doing it for so long I said he was a guy who was looking on the outside in before he joined the Undisputed Era and now being a part of it and like you said the, the show the main event being about him and Dream but there's no doubt you know Velveteen Dream with, with what he can do it is the same that just draws you to him he's definitely got star power you know and that's come by absolutely and again you know with Roderick Strong is if you know it hadn't have been decided that he was going to join the Undisputed Era I have no doubt he wouldn't be here now. I would have to agree with you, Like I said, Strong is um, a good technician, but we've not really seen a lot. This has probably been his most personal feud since actually being in NXT. We'll be finding out more about his family and his wife. And, you know, I think that's a good thing. But isn't that more of a, a hill thing the Dream's doing or get away with it because he is, you know, the kind of Velveteen man he is? Uh, again, you know, I think with Velveteen Dream is that, you know, he's he's not... A baby face. He is a face, but not a baby face. You know, he's he's someone that if it needs to get personal, he can get personal. Mm-hmm. If it needs to get serious, he can get serious. You know, if it if he needs to kick it up a gear, then he most certainly can. I think without a doubt, I think the Dream can do a lot more than maybe given credit to. I mean, I remember his, well, his, his match against Alistair Black uh, at TakeOver was kind of the one that we all looked at because the story into it about Say My Name as well uh, and the kind of performance he put in made you realise... Well, actually, he, he can handle it with the best, you know, and I think that's an interesting thing to see. I just hope we don't see a watered-down version if he ever moves to Raw SmackDown, you know, this kind of velvety dream. There's a Rick Rude aspect of him. He just doesn't give a fuck as well, which I quite like. But then, like, you know, you could 
you could class him as front wrestlers, you know, he's taking good bits of what Goldust does, you know, his kind of mannerisms, his actions, he's got bits of Rick Rude, you know, he's got, but then he's got talent alongside that mm. as well, you know, he's, he can have a great match, and if you take everything away from him, strip him back to the bare necessities, you still have a great wrestler. Yeah, I, I think that's true, and I think the thing we forget is how young he is as well, you know, like 22, 23 years old, that the future is his if he can stay injury-free. And like we said, that was a bit of a setback for him. But he's coming back. And, I mean, he looks good in this match. There's no doubt about it. I mean, Strong probably doing a bit more work. But, like you said, Strong is the ever-reliable one. You know what we are going to get from him, aren't we? You know, Absolutely. And, again, with Velveteen Dream is that, you know, he's someone that proves that if you do go for it and you don't hit the brass ring, that you can always come back and reinvent yourself and, you know, take a look at yourself and go, well... You know, I need to be different. And, you know, we've seen him, what was it, in Tough Enough? Yeah, Tough Enough, yeah. yeah. Didn't quite make it there. But, you know, he's come back, he's reinvented himself, he's gone off, you know, and he's and he's turned himself into the Velveteen Dream. Uh, and it's a, it's probably the one of the most well-rounded characters, maybe in WWE, not just NXT as well, because of what it, it just stands out above the, the, the pack, doesn't it? You know, when you think about, even when you consider people like Alistair Black and... Uh, like Bobby Roode as well, people in the past, CN. What have we actually learned about them as they're kind of along with character development? And with the dream, you're kind of seeing what it means to him as well. There's the, like I said, there's a, there's a little thing about him that makes him different. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've, again, I don't think I've seen anything like him in WWE before. You know, it's, it's, you can't just, you can't describe Roderick Strong to someone that hasn't seen wrestling and they say, well, he sounds like this person, this person, that person. But if you describe Velveteen Dream to someone to, that hasn't seen wrestling, they'll be like, I've never heard of yeah, anything exactly. like that. I think that's what makes it special. Is, um, it's been a pretty back-and-forth match between the two. You know, even though these are two great rivals, it's kind of turned into more uh, wrestling than it has brawl at this moment in time, even though he did fight on the outside a little bit. And, of course, the Messiah, the backbreaker, to be focused on that area. And both men just banging heads there as well. Would you class this as an upset if Roderick Strong wants to beat Dream? Um, I wouldn't class it as an upset, no, because, you know, Roderick Strong, he has got talent, he has been there, and I think having the Undisputed Era, kind of like, not in his corner at the moment, but kind of having him in his ear, it's kind of elevated Roderick Strong and his talent, so, you know, but it is kind of written in the wall for Velveteen Dreams to get this victory. Yeah, I think it is, even though the match in itself, but since it's turned up a little bit now, both men fighting, there's obviously a little bit of, you know, hatred between the two, you can see that, and Dreams definitely struggling. But again, you know, with this kind of match, it is kind of played out for Roderick Strong to get the victory because, you know, Velveteen Dream made it personal. Velveteen Dream got Roderick Strong's family involved. Roderick Strong wants to kind of get a bit of retribution for that as opposed to, you know, what's as opposed to what the Velveteen Dream wants to do. Yeah. And one thing about the Dream as well is that not only does he get into the rest of his heads, but even his moveset, there's a lot of stuff that this guy can do. And even now, you know, just hit Strong with a couple of backbreakers and it's kind of like that's what Strong does. So he's actually trying to beat him with the other guy's style, which again... Is an interesting story to tell, even though he kind of messed that up there and Strong caught him. But then, you know, he's kind of, he's not let it overshadow. Come back and he's, yeah, you know, I fucked up, but we can work through this, done a couple of different moves, and then kind of they're going to go back into the same set that they would have gone on to, you yeah. know, kind well, of same sequence. It's interesting to see NXT crowd's quite respectful that way. I mean, if it was in the old ECW days, then they'd just be chanting, you fucked up, wouldn't they? So Yeah. And the other thing about Dream is quite good. Like talk about his moveset as well. It's his traditional stuff, like Macho Man, you know, the double axe smash off the ropes. You know, Dream still does that, so it's still tradition. Yeah. Again, you know, you don't see a lot of double axe handle smashes anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the same. It's just, 
a different style, but he can do other stuff as well. Oh, as Velveteen Dream was just about to leap off the top, he got pushed by Strong, and I think he went stern and first into that ring post. Definitely not a comfortable place to uh, land. And he wrestles, you know, wrestling in a jumpsuit. Well, exactly, and he can get away with it. I mean, I'm thinking about buying that, you know, the blue and the white on it. I think I'd suit that, wouldn't you? No. Imagine me wearing that. <laughs> going out and not the legs. Hey, legs, let's go out. Well, Velveteen Dream might not be going out for a very long time. No, he's caught Strong now on the top. And he's got him up in a fireman's carry, but I think Strong's just managing to fight out of it. Oh, now it's Strong has got Dream. Oh. Well, jumps from the second rope, backbreaker over the top turnbuckle, into a cover to... No. no. Kick out. Uh-huh. Well, Strong might have hurt his shoulder there, but the impact on the Dream is going to be even worse. But like I said, the fans emotionally invested in Velveteen Dream. That was a nice block there by the Dream. Knee to the face from the suplex, but Strong won't give up. Maybe look for the end of heartache and put Strong away, uh, put Dream away. Uh, Dream managing to fight out. Looks to hit a huge right hand. Strong turns it around. Butterfly powerbomb. In full extension, Dream managed to get the shoulder up at two. Two, but Strong again, a brilliant transition. Turns it into Boston Crab. And you can see the torque on that lower back there, Strong. And exactly where he's been focused. In the middle of the ring, in serious trouble... But again, if it doesn't force the dream to tap out, it's going to kind of weaken him up again. You know, it's focusing on the lower back as Strong does. Every opponent he goes against, his back is the focus. And the dream of everything he's got, trying to get desperately to that bottom rope. Fingertip away. He gets there. And now Roderick Strong looking to be in complete control. <clears throat> and he tries turning dream round, but just kicks Strong away. Well, you would say it's a mistake from Roderick Strong. He splattered on the outside onto those mats. And how thin are those mats, Dan? Well, those mats are just mere millimetres thick. And because it's NXT, they're slightly thicker than the WWE ones because obviously they need a bit more protection. But they're still, you know, barely more than a hair's width. And Strong now getting back on the apron. Sunset flip in, but Velveteen Dream rolls through. Hits a huge right hand to face a Strong, who recovers quicker. And they're exchanging blows as both men are kind of sat on the canvas. With a hat. <laughs> What a slugfest between the two guys. Strong with a boot up. Step up, kick to the side of Dream's head. Oh. Strong looking for a drop kick, but gets caught with a kick to the sternum. Dream Valley driver setting up for the purple rainmaker, perhaps. As the straps, they're not really so much straps. Oh. Well, the outfit comes off, and look what's on his trunks. It's Mrs. Strong. Well, Marina Shafir... And you talk about that being a slap in the face. Dream going up. Well, it's about to be an elbow to the... No. The rest of the Undisputed Era made their way down to ringside. Uh, Velveteen Dream took them out instead. Springboards back into Strong, who catches Dream with a knee. No. Only a two count. Two. And Strong cannot believe that, but Dream catches him. Dream Valley Driver. One, two, three. And that was it. On a victory, now the Undisputed Era are in. Like a pack of hyenas just surrounding Dream, stomping mud holes in him. Well, they did well not to get involved until the very end, but now this is just a complete assault. Undisputed Era lose again. High low. But does the Dream deserve this? He's targeted Roderick Strong, he's targeted the Undisputed Era. Well, it kind of was a bit of a retribution from Undisputed Era putting him out. Oh, end of heartache on Dream. My God, the Undisputed Era stands all down. What are your thoughts on that match and the end there? Um, I thought it was a good match. You know, it's kind of 
Dream won the match, which kind of elevates him, but the Undisputed Era kind of beat the crap out of Dream, so, you know, they kind of get it back onto a level playing field, really, yeah. between the two. And we'll see how it goes on, the war between Velveteen Dream and the Undisputed Era. We're on to our next episode, February 26th, and we get a rundown of last week. Then Mara Ronaldo welcomes us to the show by talking about NXT's 10th anniversary. Yeah, try 5th, that's even bigger. Then we look out back and see Charlotte Flair roll up in a limo, and General Manager Winnie Regal is there to greet her. Beth Phoenix and Nigel McGuinness talk about that, and it's time for our first match. Yes, it is Dodger Jack versus Cameron Grimes. And this is set up because Grimes didn't like Double D using excuses to try and jump back it to the front of the North American title line. The size and strength advantage allows Dominic to control things early, but a smaller man is able to hit a drop kick after a standing switch. Well, another exchange leads to a super kick and a bridging German suplex for Grimes for a near fall. Dom dodges another baseball slide and hits a moonsault from outside to the floor. He throws Grimes in and clumps to his apron, and then here comes Damien Priest. Well, he kneecaps Dijakovic with a nightstick and jumps into the stands. The big man barely beats the referee's count, but he rolls right into a cave-in, and we have an upset. Yeah, Cameron. My man, <laughs> my pick, Cameron Grimes, the caveman, defeats Dominic Dijakovic via pinfall in a match which had no outside interference whatsoever. No. Well, trainers, referees are down. Checking on Dijakovic, and we head backstage where Kathy Kelly, replacement guy, gets an update on the women's division for Mr. Regal. Starting next week, we'll have for a number one contendership match at TakeOver Tampa, and that will be a ladder match, and the winner gets the first shot at the Flair Ray Ripley winner after WrestleMania. After commercials, we see footage of Dijakovic being held to the back, and then it's the Prince. Well, Finn Balor says he's not an internet or backstage politics guy, but when the bell rings, he's Lee guy. He builds brands. Japan, done, done it. it. Mexico, done it. Intercontinental, done it. Universal, done it. And done it. It's WrestleMania season, everyone's trying to get a peak for Mania, but he's been at his peak for 20 years. So the big question is, what's next for the Prince? Who's going to get that thin rub? Matt Riddle got it. Johnny Gagano got it. I Dragunov did too. So, well, Imperium is here. It's Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel. And Barcel says, Mr. Ballot is mistaken because there's one thing he hasn't done. Volta sends his regards. Finn is able to fight them off for a while, but the numbers get to him. The Imperium duo stands tall after driving Ballot's head into the steel steps. So, before we move on, has Ballot turned from being a heel to a face now? Yeah, looks that way. Maybe they're trying to, uh, you know, what you say, Square pegs into round holes. Uh, Austin Theory talks some trash about Tommaso Ciampa as we get more ads. We get a quick teaser. That definitely made me think of Killer Cross. And then we see footage of Bianca driving earlier today. Charlotte wants the EST. Bianca's going to make sure she gets it. Well, our next match is Zia Lee versus Mia Yim. And Code of Honor, but Mia holds a sh- handshake to talk some trash. So Zia tries to kick her head off. Yim answers with a drop kick, then another for two. Two. Lee grabs the bottom rope, manages to boot Maya off, but quickly kick back down. Yim drives the boot into Lee's face, utilising the five count. Rolling senton, follow up, misses through in a series of kicks from Zia, but one misses, and then Mia eats, eat, defeat, but then Dakota Kai is here. Well, she asks if Yim remembers when she took her war game spot before Dakota took it right back. This is the perfect time to address that. This allows Lee to roll up Mia. Yeah, and Lee defeated Yim via pinfall and Kai sends Raquel Gonzalez in to attack Yim but 
at which he does. Lee jumps on her back to try to help, but gets thrown down. The big Texan takes them both out and stands tall while Dakota laughs ringside. She's smirking down. No, James, she doesn't have a cigarette in her gob. She has a smile on her face because she knows she has taken them both out with one stone. Well, we get Chompa. We see Chompa getting ready before his match, which is after a break. And Velvety Dream is promoing to a mirror in his grandmother's best Sunday hat. He remembers Undisputed Era breaking his back, but he also remembers beating Roger Strong last week. But that's not enough. He wants it all. So next week, how about Mr. Regal leaves that steel cage up and gives him Roddy in the cage? A Roddy in a cage. Well, we move on to our next. So Chompa versus Austin Theory. And the announcers talk up how pissed Fury is after last week. And he comes out hot. He's on fire, baby. Eventually downing Chomper with a shoulder block after both men evade attacks for a while. Well, Chomper fires up and delivers a German suplex before adding a running knee. Fury avoids the fairy tale ending but takes a huge knee strike out of a roll for a near fall. They trade strikes and Fury's rolling blockbuster connects. Buckle Bomb is next. Then attacks here gets two. Two. Theory escapes Fairy Tale ending again and hits a spin-out face buster for a near fall. Outside, Theory starts throwing Chomper into the guardrail a few times as payback for last week. On his way back in, he eats a he eats a kick and then gets hits with Willow's Bell. Fairy Tale ending finishes it. And Tommaso Chomper defeats Austin Theory via pinfall. The victor has barely had his hand raised when here comes Johnny Gargano. He takes Chomper out and sits on the apron next to his body and does a slow clap. He grabs Chumper by the head and throws him to the floor, then stalks around him until a graphic comes up and the announce team resumes hyping the main event. The Undisputed Era are hanging out in front of a trailer with their flag hung on it. Roddy says he and Dream actually agree on something. He wants the cage match because he doesn't think Velveteen knows what will happen when they're locked in there together. Well, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly talk about how much they hate Matt Riddell and Peter Doon and how much history they have as a team. Adam Cole says his teammates will regain their, t- regain their titles and the prophecy will continue. And we move on to our next match, which is Bronson Reed versus Killian Dane. And then we get the big boy lock-up to start off with. Striking exchange, finally won by Reed with a clothesline. He follows with a slam. Straps come down. You know it means business. He throws Dane into the corner and hits a hip attack. Dane quickly fires back with a throw, but then he goes for a Vader bomb, but he eats knees. The Australian fires back with a Death Valley bomb, but can only get two. Two. Reed back up to the top, but Dane catches up. Superplex. Killian Trio Santons and connects with the Vader bomb for the win. Yes, Killian Dane defeats Bronson Reed via pinfall. And then we're reminded that Forgotten Sons didn't like the Grizzled Jung veterans mocking America last week. That match is next. But first, the hype video to remind us that the bros awaits are a thing now. Oh, shit. Well, we get the Forgotten Sons versus the Grizzled Young Vets, and Zach Gibson promos his way to the ring, running down the red, white, and blue, prompting a USA chant. Wesley Blake and charge the ring, and Gibson and James Drake bail. Riker gives them a pep talk before Blake starts with Gibson. Murphy's old partner gets the best of that, drop-kicking both GYV before bringing in Cutler for a tandem manoeuvre. Strikes but, Dake, uh, <coughs> strikes, but Drake does a spot where he buffers into the corner when his partner's whipped into it. The Brits with a tag and Drake grounds the former Marine. Well, the Hills, I guess the sons of faces now, have Blake trapped in the corner when we return. He battles back, rounds him and keeps him there in the rear chin lock. He gets a tag off a net break of bringing Cutler in hot. He gets a near fall and Drake then locks in a Boston Crab. He goes to chase Gibson off the apron. Fisherman's driver gets two. Two. But it's too close to the ropes and Zach pulls his partner's foot onto the rope. That draws the ire of Riker who chases Gibson. Drake flies out to take out the big man and things break down all over. 
Drake eventually shoves Gibson away from the Blake Moonsault attempt, which leaves him ticket to mayhem. And the Grizzly Young Vets defeat the Forgotten Sons. We get another Kathy Kelly replacement asking Tegan Knox about a steel cage match next week. Knox thought she had things figured out in Portland, but she didn't count on Raquel Gonzalez. But next week, Gonzalez isn't a factor. Dakota started, stated that this is a cage. Next week, she ends it in one. Well, she started it in the cage. She did start in the cage at TakeOver War Games, where she attacked her and left her there. That would make more sense if I got that right. Well, we see Charlotte sing up her boots, and the main event is next. Are you all right, James? I'm fine. <laughs> I'm excited, you see. After another killer cross-looking vignette, we learn that Strong and Dream will be in a steel cage next week. Ooh. Interviewer Guys catches up with Damien Priest, who's leaving full sail with a couple of ladies. He has nothing against Vajakovic. He was just in the way of something he wants. And now Keith Lee knows exactly what that is. And up next, it's going to be Bianca Belair with long hair. Charlotte Flair. So this will be a very interesting match. Of course, Bianca Belair come up short at TakeOver against the NXT champ, Ray Ripley. We know she's got a date with Destiny at Mania. But Charlotte making a long-awaited return as well. What are your thoughts on Bianca Belair as a competitor, Dan? She's got what it takes. I don't know. I just find it irritating, personally. She has got talent, but I just find that irritating. Well, it's a kind of one-note gimmick again, isn't it? You know, there's not really much else. She calls herself the EST, but if you're not being the best at what you do, you know, if you're not picking up the victories and Belair has fallen short against Shania Basler and, uh, of course, Ray Ripley as well, and I don't know how well she's going to do against the 10-time <laughs> women's champion Charlotte Flair either, you know? So, such an interesting position. With Charlotte... I've not been a big fan of her, you know, in the past. But I will say she's been one of the most consistent performers in recent times, you know, you know, in the women's division as well. Is this the right thing for Charlotte, do you reckon, to be part of NXT? Or is this too much of a, a step down, do you reckon? Um, I, don't, I, I see this as a step up. I mean, what we should be doing on the main roster, you've kind of got Shane Basler in the title picture with Becky Lynch. You've kind of got a few competitors in like contention for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And, you know, Charlotte Flair can't start out of a title picture for two dogs. She can't be kind of mixing in the background. She can't have personal storylines. So, you know, what other title is there for her to go after other than the NXT Women's Championship? Yeah. Well, this is an interesting. Does she need to go after a championship? You know, would we want to see a, a match against, you know, a legend like Trish Stratus or someone like that at WrestleMania? But I think this is not bad for, for Charlotte anyway to be... Uh, to be a part of NXT, because I think her name, we all know about Charlotte and what she did in NXT. And of course, in WWE, she's come back as a star, as opposed to main Balor, would that be fair to say? They're kind of different in that way. Charlotte's going to go back to Raw after whatever she's done in NXT, win or lose the title, wouldn't she? Do you know what Absolutely, I mean? Absolutely, yeah. Um, whereas, I don't know, Finn Balor, he's still got a place for Raw, but I think, you know, as soon as kind of after Mania, once the title pictures kind of sorted out then you know I'm sure they can find a way to slot Charlotte who definitely looks like she's had even more work done so when she goes up to the main roster again they can be like that's not Charlotte Flair she looks completely fucking different she has had a lot of work there's no doubt about that and I think unnecessary you know there was nothing wrong with what Charlotte looked like before but and it's going to be interesting NXT fans definitely on Bianca Belair's side as the bell rings and there's a big match, big fight feel to this match, isn't there, with the crowd? Absolutely, the crowd are certainly into this. Again, is this going to put Charlotte Flair in good stead if she loses this match before 
WrestleMania? Well, no. This is what I'm saying. She, if she loses this one now, she's going to give Ray Ripley so much more confidence. The thing is, Ripley has beaten Belair. The, the question is, we've got to ask ourselves, is this a step up? You know, what is the difference between NXT, to be the best in NXT and to be the best in the, uh, you know, Raw SmackDown women's division? Charlotte is, there's no doubt about it, one of the best workers there. So Belair's going to have to, to even uh, match her move to move, is going to be an impressive feat, let alone trying to get a victory, I think, in this one. Absolutely, yeah. But there's no doubt with athleticism, Belair can definitely go with anyone, you know, she shows what she can do, but hopefully Charlotte will maybe, someone like Ripley, someone like Belair, to give them a little bit more experience on how to work a big match. Uh, absolutely, and again, you know, despite circumstances, this kind of, Belair's biggest one-on-one match. I know she's kind of been, you know, she's been for the title a couple of times, but, you know, going against a seasoned veteran as such as Charlotte Flair, you know, I don't think Belair's been one-on-one against someone, you know, with kind of, with as big a name power and star power as Charlotte Flair. I'd have to completely agree with you there, like I said, and this is what's good when NXT, you get a match that may be takeover worthy, you know, someone like Belair versus Charlotte, and we get to see it here, on regular NXT TV. That's wow. Nice. Very athletic from uh, Bianca Belair avoiding Charlotte, nipping up to her feet and kind of uh, doing what Charlotte does against her. And the fans are absolutely loving this. Well, there's no doubt Bianca Belair for the power she's got as well. And Charlotte might be a little bit frustrated. Is this a case of Charlotte maybe overlooking people on NXT thinking how good she is? Well, I think Charlotte Flair's kind of getting out Charlotte Flair. You know, Charlotte normally is the one looking for the kind of response and the normally the one being cocky, you know, as Ric Flair did. But once you kind of out-cocky a Flair, you kind of take them off their game. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things you don't want to do. Don't want to turn on Superman's cape, but Charlotte now with the chops right back into the corner and she's turned momentum around. That was only a kind of quick burst on Belair. And Charlotte's definitely got a haters, but there's people that love her in NXT. And we went to an ad break, came back, Belair on the outside. Baseball slide missed. And now Belair kind of resuming her attack on the outside, sending Charlotte head first into the ring post. I'm going to start off now, you know, get it over and done with. <clears throat> well, both women back in. Charlotte looking for a suplex, but Belair rolling her up, only getting two. Two. But Flair up first and responds with a knife edge chop. I think Charlotte, uh, not taking it easy, but. There's definitely an air of confidence. Like you said, she is being the definite flair in this one. She whips Belair into the corner, wanting to come back. I think Flair's getting back to Flair. And a nice net breaker by Charlotte. But you've got to say, you know, we talked about earlier, Belair's been in a big match. You've got to have the kind of uh, butterflies in the stomach, the excitement. And that's what Charlotte is trying to... Maybe Belair's too excited, came running in. Charlotte's just had a right where she needs her right now. Brilliant escape from Bianca Belair from the Dragon Sleeper, though. Sending Charlotte into the corner. Oh, just grabbing her hair and slamming her down to the mat. Yeah, simple but effective for Belair. And look her up. Oh my God, slams her down. This could be it. No, one count. One. Charlotte saying nah. Well, I think Charlotte Flair had a lot more to protect her land, and then a few other female competitors in NXT. <laughs> what should we say? Saying? Yes, I see what you're saying. And it'll be interesting, Ray Ripley. Uh, I hate to say it, but I know I did make a good point. Ray Ripley backstage watching this, you know, not being uh, in competition, taking a rest, maybe able to scout Charlotte, especially an opponent she did. It's going to be good for Ripley. Do you think Ripley should get more exposure, maybe a match of Raw, SmackDown before Mania? Or do you think this is the best way of doing it? Well, again, you know, I think Ray Ripley should kind of 
play Charlotte Flair at her own kind of game, you know, beat someone that's beaten Charlotte Flair or, you know, yeah. here's Charlotte Flair. I think that would be a huge step up for Ripley. And now Charlotte trying to try and put Bianca Belair in the abdominal stretch. Of course, my famous, um, oh, when was that? 1930s, Wilbur Schneider. But Belair managing to turn it round and put one in her own. So can you legitimately see Charlotte Flair being the face of NXT? Yeah, I could. It depends if how well AEW does. And then NXT will need to battle that with star power. And I think Charlotte will, you know, all the stuff we say about her has got that kind of name and face value. Uh, Charlotte got the submission, but Belair now turned up a notch, hitting the moonsault off the second rope. But again, Flair managing to kick out. Ah. And Belair not letting it overwhelm her, kind of, you know, taking a couple of deep breaths before resuming her attack on Flair. Well, the crowd has actually turned into about a 50-50 split. You know, half for Charlotte, half for Belair. Oh, my God, look at the power. Belair picking up Charlotte for a powerbomb, but Charlotte lands on her feet. Belair goes into an elbow and then gets caught. Backbreaker, thrown head first into the turnbuckle. And Flair has the power back in her hands. And Charlotte, she always uses her surroundings. And something like she used Belair's hair against her. And then again, the turnbuckle, the ropes. Like you said, uh, with a flair, always know where they are in the ring. And that is definitely something that Charlotte has got. Use everything to her advantage, you know, like you said. By any means necessary. Now going up. Looking for a moonsault off the top. Ooh. Oh, but Belair with her feet up. Charlotte wise to it. Catches her feet. Puts her into a Boston. And that's a great visual there. Charlotte getting the submission in. Looks like she's got it wrenched on. Belair struggling, but Charlotte again ripping back. Bianca managing to roll through, though, but Charlotte into a pin attempt. Turns no. it back over. My God, Charlotte bringing it all out. They've got the Brock lock in now. A leg over the top. Charlotte now picking up the powerbomb. Sit out powerbomb to Belair. Into cover to... No, Bianca just managing to kick out. Uh, that was literal. She used her legs and everything there to get the power off. Charlotte looking for a big boot. Wicked gets sidestepped and hung up on the top. Belair with a drop kick, sending Flair to the outside. But credit to Bianca Belair. She's been on Charlotte every time she's trying to get advantage. And now it's a battle of power. Belair just wins that one, sends Flair into the ring post and then back into the ring. And can Bianca Belair actually pull off a huge upset? You would think if she was to get a victory in this match, she might be added it. It might be a triple threat match at WrestleMania for the NXT Women's Championship. She definitely deserved to be there. Managed to roll out the way. Hit Flair with a spear. <coughs> oh, but Charlotte back with a spear on Belair. Natural selection. Goes for the Two, cover. Three. And puts Bianca Belair away. Charlotte. I think looked really good in that. I think Belair looked good. I quite enjoyed that match. Dan, what were your thoughts? Yeah, Charlotte Flair definitely putting on a better spectacle than she has done for a while on the main roster. And she looks more motivated. It was kind of good back and forth a couple of moments there. But I think Belair also proved that she could match with Charlotte. Charlotte's got the chair now. Ra Ripley's music hits as she kind of tries to break the knee of Belair. Oh, my God. Charlotte just assaulting Bianca. Ripley looking on. Figure eight as Ripley's kind of making a standard entrance and not running down. Well, she's not a huge fan. Of Belair, but now they're going to come face to face. No. Charlotte, after being through a match, she thinks it's wise to walk out of the uh, the ring and kind of stand tall on this one. Yeah, Ripley there sending a message. Charlotte Charlotte definitely sending a message back. And we move on to our next episode, March 4th, NXT. Well, after a standard last week on NXT Open, Mauro Ronaldo welcomes us to full sale. He's joined by Nigel McGuinness, 
Ronaldo informs us that Beth Phoenix is at home, convalescing with her family, after Randy Orton RKO'd her on Raw. Well, Raquel Gonzalez accompanied Kai to the ring and waits outside after the Kai enters the ring, or to go to Kai even, and now the bell is rang and Knox started off with strong forearms. Kai trying to fight back, but it's Knox with the advantage, and... Uh, what do you thought of the build-up to this match? This has quite a long build to it. It has built to it, yeah. And I'm a, I'm a bit annoyed that it's not the main event of the show. You know, uh, this match with kind of this magnitude to it, I think these two women definitely deserve to be in the main event, you know, with a storyline this personal. Without a doubt. And it just shows you as well, you know, kind of how strong the NXT women's division is. Uh, and also kind of what we're always like on the WNR podcast, because, you know, with the women's matches, just as important as the men's, like I said, with this build-up, going all the way back to TakeOver and Kai, of course, turning to the dark side and then getting up her. But the Cardiff native's not going to be sent into the side of the cage yet. Uh, she holds Dakota uh, off and Alice Knox looking to go up to the second rope, flying crossbody and then just goes with a piston-like right, ha- right hands. That's what I like about it. There's no point going for the cover. She just wants to hurt Kai at the moment. Like I said, it started in the cage, going to end in the cage here tonight. Will it end... Well, I think, you know, at this moment in time, depends if there's any shenanigans in this match, you know. Obviously, we know that uh, Gonzalez and Kai are in cahoots, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Indeed. And with the injuries that Knox has had, of course, the two torn uh, ACLs keeping him out for nearly two years of action, Kai with the injuries as well, what chances or what injuries could these women pick up in this match as well? Well, you can see both of them wearing that um, very pounced leg braces, and another thing about these women, they've not really been in the spotlight, have they? They've kind of had to make their way through uh, on their own, you know, not really been put in major programmes. Major programmes, and, you know, neither of them are in the title picture either. Um, but but both women certainly deserve a, a shot, you know, depending on the winner of this one. And, you know, see who gets a shot soon at the uh, NXT Women's Champion. This is like a kind of number one contendership match then. It should be, but I don't think Bianca Belair's involved, so it probably won't be. Yeah, I think Belair, especially the performance against Charlotte, the main event last week, definitely, you know, deserves credit. But like I said, how strong it is, we forget about people like Candice LeRae and Io Shirai as well on the NXT roster. So it is, it's kind of good times at this moment. But I think Kai's one of those, you know, been in the May Young Classic and, like I said, kind of turned to the dark side a little bit. I think it helps her out. With, like I said, it's all about character development. I think it gets forgotten about this a lot in wrestling. We want to find out a lot more about you, and we're finding out now that Kai, you know, what it means to her to be involved. She wants these big matches and big moments, and she thinks Tegan Knox was the one that kind of got in her way, you know. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, the kind of it just got too much for her, and she had to do something about it, and she did. And now she's got a face of retributions. If she comes out of this on top, then certainly she's going to propel herself forward. Uh, hopefully into the NXT Women's Championship picture. There's a, a hope there, you're both women, because of course in the face side of things with Tika Knox, looking to get payback as well. It's, it's a good story told because, you know, very basic as well. And sometimes that works, especially in NXT. Do you think two steel cage matches in an episode is a bit too much though? I don't know, you know, because I think the, you know, they're using uh, the Roderick Strong Velveteen Dream saying, look, you know, you've got a cage there. Why not use it for our match as well? You know, we've got a personal feud going on just as much as these women's feuds personal as well, even though the build-up hasn't been as long to it. Well, I suppose it nearly has been, actually. Well, yeah, considering the Dream's injury. But, um, you know, it's I think it's a good way of kind of using other matches to their advantage. 
Oh, uh, it's good to cage match because, like I said, it adds more to this this feud as well. You know, like I said, we don't really see many cage matches in NXT. Knox is trying to build momentum there, but Kai stopped him with the knees up. Knees up, Mother Brown. Sent him into the side of the cage. Both of these women do not care about the other. <laughs> well, Knox has just thrown Kai into the cage twice. Third time. My God. Off the charm. And there's not a lot Gonzalez can do on the outside. There's a bit of payback from earlier when Gonzalez was having a go at Knox. Knox now shouting at her. She beats up her friend Kai. Or associate, maybe. Cost her a match at the last takeover as well. And Tegan Knox, to her credit, looks laser focused here tonight as a kind of level about her. I think she realised she kind of maybe took it for granted at the last takeover match and forgot what Kai could maybe do. And now this time is going to try and put her away. As Knox picks Kai up. Lovely fall away slam into a bridge. She's got a cover, but no, only a two count. Two. So with uh, Tegan Knox be looking to escape it, the cage possibly into the waiting arms of Reina Gonzalez, or would she like to get this done in the cage and get a pinfall victory? I think it would be interesting to see. I think Knox now open up the door, going to test the waters, but like I said, you've got Shark on the outside. Absolutely, and Dakota Kai using this momentary distraction. Oh my fucking hell. God, two brilliant moves, then the kick, and then like the the net breaker. Sunset flip, like <laughs> Coca backstabber. But this is another thing. You, you give the women a time. You give them, you know, a story to be told. And they're, they're, these two women are delivering right now. Like I said, even though they're not kind of number one contendership worthy at the moment. I think Kai can't believe Tegan Knox is actually getting back up. Now Tegan Knox using the brace to kind of get herself up to her feet. Small package. No, only a two count. But <laughs> Kai responds with a headbutt. I think both women are down. I think that took as much <laughs> out of Kai as it did Knox. And now Knox started to climb, and she must be at least 15 feet up in the air. At least 12 and a half foot up. Now Kai gonna go. springs up on the top rope. Now both women in a very precarious position, hanging on the top of the cage, as Knox kind of goes back down to the ring ropes. Oh grabs my. Kai by the throat. Oh! Choke slam off the ring ropes. <laughs> Well, Gonzalez is fabricated. I can't believe it. Couldn't believe what she's seeing. And now Knox is perched on the top rope. And what's she going to do? Go for freedom? Or try and hurt Kai even more? Folded up like the accordion there. Well, it looks like Knox went to escape, but Kai was up rather quickly from that. And drags her off the top rope. Kick to the side of Knox's head. Captain of Team Kick. Well, you can see Kai's in uh, trouble in the midsection. But like I said, she did recover, but now Knox comes flying back. Both women running the cage, following each other around, delivering shots. Kai done it to Knox. Knox done it back to Kai. Into a cover to... No. no. Kai managing to kick out. Uh, I think Knox is maybe taking just a little bit too long. I was just about yeah. to say that. She's taking a bit too long between moves, thinking about what she's doing. But then with Gonzalez on the outside, does she need to think about what she's doing? Well, it's dangerous, and now she's up on top. Oh, my God! Cross body from the top of the cage. <laughs> Takes out Dakota Kai. Oh. I think that's driven the air out of the lungs of Tegan Knox as well. Well, now I'm just saying it's 20 feet up in the air, so... Well, at least 22 feet up in the air. And that's four foot higher than with mankind, but off Hell in a Cell. <laughs> <laughs> And now Knox struggling. I think that's 20 feet from the ground, not from the ring, though. That would be a fair point. Oh, no. 
And Reina Gonzalez squashing the smaller referee against the cage, <laughs> preventing him from opening it. Oh, Knox much, much smaller referee. Knox can't get out. Oh, Dakota Kai charging towards Knox, hit the cage door into the face of Gonzalez. She's got her legs stuck on the top rope. Knox with the shiniest wizard into a cover. One, One two, two, no. Oh. Well, she hits the shiniest of shiny wizards, but can't believe that Kai kicked out. Uh. And now Knox in shock. Well, she needs to carry on. Well, fast shot one more time. And Knox thinking maybe the better idea is to go out the door. She comes face to face with Reina Gonzalez, who's making her way into the ring. And Gonzalez grabs Knox by the throat, but gets caught with a big step up in security. Referee arguing with her still. Another giant Gonzalez. <laughs> well, she can't get out because of her. Now go and climb over the top. Climbing down the outside of the steel cage. Oh, and Kai now getting up. And this is dangerous. Well, being kicked off is dangerous as well. Well, Kai comes crashing down and now it's Knox again. Who's hurting inside. And Tegan looking down at Gonzalez. Can't get out the door. Can't cl- As Gonzalez drags Kai to the outside. Oh, my God. Her leg through the door, and that door gets kicked onto it. Oh, and Gonzalez now trapping Knox against the cage. Come on, ref, this is not fair. Oh. As Dakota Kai crawls out of the ring in a lot of pain, and Knox just left her hanging on the cage door. Oh, come on, that is... I mean, don't get me wrong, that's a really innovative way. I don't think I've ever seen that in that way before. But the whole point of the cage match is to stop outside interference. But I think an excellent match. Dan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely brilliant match between these two women. They certainly both put it on the line. Um, this still leaves the door open for these two as well. Not the cage door, James. No. But the door for another match. And are they going to have a Punjabi pre- match or something? Or a dog kennel match? Well, or? you know, I don't mind. I mean, it's been good so far, hasn't it? You know, Gonzalez and Kai need to get the comeuppance at some point. Tegan Knox and, and Dakota Kai gave everything. We had big bumps in that match. You know, there was big moves. It was really, really good, actually, to start us off. Absolutely brilliant, yeah. A few great spots as well. Um, I think this was more about kind of like the spots than it was about the actual wrestling between the two women. But you can understand that there wasn't too much wrestling between them because they've got each other. They just want to knock ten bells of shit out of each other. Yeah, without a doubt. Anyway, we move on. And Finn Balor says, Chess is a game of reactions. But he's always made the first move. He thanks Walter for forcing his hand, but the UK champ is not going to like his reaction. Finn will see Walter sooner than he thinks. What does that mean, James? What could that mean? Well, after a break, we get a video of Rao Ripley visiting the Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, site of her WrestleMania NXT title defence against WrestleMania 36. <clears throat> Obviously, um, the site of the NXT title defence is subject to change. She puts over her rise from Australian gyms to a stadium and says when she came to NXT, people always compared her to Flair. She changed her look and it's made her mission not to be a mini Charlotte. She mentions Rick's to be the man lion and says at Mania, she'll beat the best. Our, first, our next match is the first qualifier fan for number one contention, Lana Match. And it is Shots of Blackheart versus Chelsea Green. Well, Robert Stone introduces his only client. Blackheart is on fire at the start, but Green sidesteps a Bronco Buster and hits a backstabber. It's not long before she hits a drop kick off the top and the unprettier. Hers is called the I'm prettier to earn a spot in the ladder match. Well, we get some rapid fire killer cross probably images after a break. 
Mauro tells us Double D suffered a hamstring hematoma as a result of Damien Priest's attack last week. And a hematoma, James, you know what that is? A bruise. And is week to week. The North American champ is here to discuss that and the chase for his title. After Glory is barsed in, Keith Lee greets us. Ever since becoming the champion, many have been invoking his name, like Dijakovic and Priest. He gives Damien credit, but before he can finish, he's interrupted by my man, Cameron Grimes. Well, Grimes says Keith doesn't need to be talking about all those other... about him. It's hard to hear him over aloud. No one likes you, chant and booze. Lee tells him he's made the gravest mistake of his career. Grimes starts talking again, but he's drowned out. Keith tries to help again, but it doesn't. Cameron eventually gets to say general manager William Regal gave him a title shot next week. Lee shoves him out of the ring and says if Grimes is a star, he's a five-star. Keith will see, give him an ass-whooping next week. We see the video from earlier today setting up Austin Theory versus Swerve Scott, and then we get the Undisputed Era warmers tonight while Adam Cole gives them a pep talk. And it is Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish versus Only Larkin and Danny Birch. Well, Nigel and Mar remind us that it's a rematch of a killer rematch in Chicago a couple of years ago. Fish and, Fish and Larkin start with a strike exchange. They each hit cheap shots of the non-legal man, bringing all four into the ring. Well, there's some great, cool Kyle douchebaggery during the heat. Birch counters a suplex into a crossbody and gets to his corner. Only is his full wild man self, blockbusters for everyone, then a corkscrew tope on both men. He sets up to hit Europeans on the era members in opposite corners, but O'Reilly and Fish recover to hit a high-low for free. And the undisputed era on the mic afterwards, Carl glad to be back to the winning ways, but something's missing. Bobby says that because their belts are with the loser weights, he runs down how the rest of the era are taking care of business, and they will too. Here comes Matt Riddle. Well, the bro says he's down and Stallion Pete's down. The NXT Universe is down and he's sure Stallion Regal is down. Here comes Grizzled Young Vets, James Drake and Zap Gibson. Blast the champs from behind. Gibson on the mic and says, I don't care about the Undisputed Era's rematch clause. They're not going to wait for Mr. Regal. It's out with the old and in with the new in the tag division. And they're soon to become the world's number one. Well, we're getting a Ronaldo sit-down interview with Johnny Gagano later. But next is Fairy Swerve. The Fury Swerve. Well, they trade big punches. Fury goes for a rolling thunder, but rolls right into an armbar. He fights it off, but Swat, S- Scott snaps off the injured arm. He rolls to the apron. Swerve tries. Swerve follows to try and grab him in the corner. Fury fights whatever he was going for off and lifts him up with one arm for the ATL. So Austin Fury defeated Isaiah Swerve Scott. And we get another killer cross, probably tease, brings us back from commercial. And Mauro intros his interview with Johnny without mentioning. Ronaldo says he respects Gargano as the heart and soul of NXT. But he and the NXT universe want to know why the sneak attacks on Tommaso Ciampa. Johnny brings up that he was the only person who went to the premiere of the bipolar rock and roller. And that's important because Mauro tells their stories. But people think he's only Johnny Wrestling where he disputes... That his attacks on Chompa were sneak attacks. He was wearing a powder blue sports coat last week for crying out loud. Gagano eventually flips out, pissed at Ronaldo, didn't contact him after Portland, but called him Johnny Turncoat last week. He calls Mauro a liar and scares him off. Throughout, he's been saying, we knew why he attacked Tommaso. Then he grabs a camera and says, next week at the Performance Centre, where all this started, they're going to deal with this the Johnny Gagano way. We get a quick video recap on the Dream Strong feud and then it's our last commercial before the main event. Well, two title matches next week as Lee defends against Grimes and the Unspewed Era get their rematch. And it is Velveteen Dream versus Roderick Strong. 
Roddy, dressed in street clothes, enters second and charges right at Dreams as fists fly. They both avoid going face first into the cage. Velveteen jumps up when he does it and jumps right back in with an elbow to get in the driver's seat. He tries for an early Dream Valley driver, but Strong grabs the rope and is eventually able to throw Dream face first into the fence. Backbreakers begin, then a series of running uppercuts. Upper what? Then Velveteen Dream dodges one and sends Roddy into the cage. That's followed by a big, big back body drop into the fence with both men down. Marina Shafir runs in to give her husband a kendo stick and we split screen. So we're back from the break and Dream and Strong are both up. It looks like Strong may be trying to get out. But Dream cuts him off and both men are sat perched on the top rope. Dream looking to come off top. Roddy gets his foot up. Dream wise to that and turns it into a Boston Crab. Well, Strong's at the bottom rope, but as rules in a cage match, there are no rules. <laughs> Strong manages to push the Dream off and tries to lock in a Boston of his own. Velveteen holding the cage to try and kind of stop the turn. But Strong eventually gets it in. I mean, does that show the kind of injury to the dream that Strong can turn that around? Or the kind of how good a technical wrestler is? I think the injury for the dream might be a little bit worse than uh, than we know because of the way he kind of hides the fact as well. I think that helps with the dream character. You're never sure how really injured he is. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, Velveteen Dream, I think that is a good part of his character as well. You know, most guys would have tape on the back or kind of like, you know, something... As a bullseye, whereas Velveteen Dream says, no, I'm not giving you anything to aim for. If you want to find out an injury with me, you've got to kind of discover it off your own back. No, that doubt. And I think Roderick Strong's taking this more seriously as well because he is not wearing his wrestling trunks. He's ready for it. He's got the jeans on now. It's like a street fight in a cage. Street cage. No, it doesn't Cage matter. street fight. Cage street fighter. A caged street fighter. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. This has not been as good as the uh, women's match earlier. But again... This should be the end of the feud between Strong and Dream, maybe. I don't know. Like, the Dream has uh, targeted the Unsputed Era. After they put him on the shelf. And now Strong's picking up the kendo stick. After losing a shoe. <laughs> a Dream with a kick to name Possum. Hello, Possums! Goes to use a kendo stick on Roddy Strong. But that gets turned round as Strong's got it into a backbreaker. What a great move that was. Strong using the surroundings again. And now going up. <laughs> oh, Strong looking to jump, but Velveteen Dream grabs the back of his trousers, exposing Roddy's strong ass. And then while Roderick Strong was concentrating on pulling his trousers up, he gets sent face first into the side of the cage. We're getting an arsehole chant as well. There's both been now trading in a precarious position on that top rope. Dream's got the face of Strong. As Dream looks to get a leg over the cage, but Strong grabs him. Strong slam! Oh. Fucking hell. From the top rope. Well, both men there landed with a fud. And like I said, 20 feet in the air. At least 22 foot up. Fuck it. And even if I was come back from back injury, I would not want to take that bump. I mean, you've got to have faith in your landing and strong as he goes in for the cover. No, Dream manages to kick out. Uh, there's no doubt these two guys have had chemistry in their matches. And now we've got a scramble for the door. Well, Dream just drags Strong Back into the ring, jumped over him, looking to escape. Now it's Strong's turn to drag Dream back in and dive for the cage. And he might be getting there. Can Dream catch him? Well, he was a dream catcher. <laughs> well, he won't be having nightmares here tonight. And Strong now gets caught. Dream. Credit to Strong back on his feet. He might not know where he is. Well, he walks straight into another Dream Valley driver. 
We're going to get a purple rainmaker. No, he's not going to go up there, surely. Don't call me Shirley. But Dream is perched on the top. Here we go. Here come the undisputed era. Fish, O'Reilly, got Kendo Sticks chairs, Adam Cole directing traffic. Well, Velveteen Dream jumps down and he's <laughs> fighting the undisputed era off, hitting her hands with Singapore canes. Knocks Fish off. O'Reilly's in his sights as he bounces O'Reilly head first into the cage. Oh, he super kicks the cage. But Adam Cole's made his way in. Well, the NXT champs here. He gets caught. Thrown off the top a la Ric Flair. A la Ric Flair. And the door's opening strong. Look at escape. Dream looking on. Last shot to the back of Dream's head. And Roddy in. Allows him to... And the Dream's got hold of Strong looking back. And what? So strong out. Strong wins the match. But Dream closes the door. And he's just locked the door shut. With the NXT champion inside. Wait a minute. Was this his plan all along? What? Adam Cole can't believe what he's seen. And the Dream's going to go striking Adam Cole. Throws him to the cage. Notching, knocking O'Reilly off into another bit of the cage. Knocking Fish off. And now Roderick Strong's trying to climb back in. Oh, oh he gets kendo sticked. <laughs> and Dream now go back to Cole. Oh, perched on the top, hitting strong, jumps off, hits Adam Cole. Uh, Betty Dream's taken out the Undisputed Era. Super kick block, Dream catches him. Sends him into Roddy Strong, crutching him on the top. Strong's in a tree of woe. Dream Valley driver to the chair on Adam Cole. And our Velveteen Dream has got Goldie in his hands. Um, like you said, maybe this was the plan of Velveteen Dream. Wanted the NXT champion, wanted the right where he wanted him. As he poses in front of Roddy, he tells him to watch this. As he takes Adam Cole's head off with the steel belt. Oh, he dropped the title as he just... As he stands over Adam Cole. Well, there's one thing we know for sure, that he won't be having Britt Baker's face on his tights because she works for AEW. Without a doubt, but Adam Cole there... Gets caught in the Velting Dreams master plan. I mean, what are your thoughts, Dan? Absolutely, yeah. You know, it's uh, Velveteen Dream is good with plans and he knew exactly what the dispute was like. He knew they'd get involved and he's played them for fools. No, I don't think anybody's played the Undisputed Era quite like that. What a moment for Dream. I mean, it wasn't the best match between the two, but like you said, the ending of it makes all the sense in the world and now it looks like Adam Cole has got a guy who wants to take his NXT Championship, and that's the Velveteen Dream. And what a match that could potentially be as well. <laughs> but let's move on to the March 11th episode of NXT. Yes, the last week coming up tonight on NXT Video Package starts with Johnny Gagano bullying Mauro Ronaldo. Then Ronaldo welcomes us to the Performance Centre, which looks pretty much like standing room only around the ring. The Ramp Stadium looks pretty similar, and the first men down at it are... Keith Lee versus Cameron Grimes. We get the standard title match intros and the crowd here hates Grimes and loves Lee. Just like they do at Full Sail. I assume it's mostly the same people. Well, running the rope into a big crossbody block by the champ. Elbow from Lee, big boot from Grimes. Have some super kicks. Cameron manages to get the limits one up for a bridging German. That gets two. Two. Moonsault follow-up is caught, but Grimes turns it to a DC phenomenal fall. He sets up for the cave-in, but it's caught. He flips out of a spirit bomb, but gets pounced out of his boots. Big bang catastrophe. And that is it. Keith Lee defeats Cameron Grimes via pinfall to retain his North American title. Well, while the champ poses Dave for a nightstick attack, Dominic Dijakovic slides in to run him off. Priest smirks back at him when he's leaving. 
He wasn't. Sm- he didn't have a cigarette in his gob, James. He just had a smile on his face. Well, Doubledee picks up the belt and goes to help Lee up, but Keith scoops him up and puts him down with his spirit bomb. He takes a strap and walks out. Well, Maro welcomes Beth Phoenix back after she got RKO'd by Randy Orton, greatest in the world. They put over the women's title match at WrestleMania and segue to the TakeOver Tampa number one contenders match. Mia Yim and Dakota Kai fight for a spot next. Yep, so Mia dodges a drop kick at the bell and we get a couple of quick roll-off attempts for the HBIC. Slap from Kai, but that just pisses Yim off. Exchange of running forearms and after a taunt, Dakota hits the chiropractor for a near fall. Rapid fire shot kicks to the head. But Mia dodges a bigger one for the roll-up. She sidesteps the boot again. Powerbomb for one, two. Ooh. Kick out. Uh. Raquel's leg. The ref deals with Gonzalez, but Kai gets a cover of her own. But when she gets to gets his attention, Mia hits the backstabber for the victory. Yeah, so Mia defeats Dakota Kai via pinfall. I mean, to qualify for the NXT TakeOver number one contendership match, my only problem with that is that Kai... Beat Tegan Knox, but then loses the next week. I mean, that kind of doesn't really build much momentum, does it? Do you know what I mean? No, I mean, just when she was getting hot, she's kind of out of the number one contenders match. Mm. E. Gonzalez returns to destroy the winner and helps Kai to the back. Yim gets back to her feet and walks to the back as a crowd chants her name. Well, Nigel McGuinness tells us that Tommaso Ciampa has just arrived. Mackenzie Mitchell rushes up to him as he walks to the building, asking about Johnny Gargano doing things his way tonight. Ciampa says his way and storms inside. We see the Unspeaked Era warming up for their tag title match before another break. We get a new teaser for probably Killer Cross, maybe, possibly not, but it definitely is. And then it's... And it's Kushida versus Raul Mendoza. Well, fast-paced open, as expected, and Mendoza gets the best of it until Raul dives into a forearm. Kushida, who's James's pick for the tag team Dusty Rhodes Classic, who got knocked out in the first round, follows up with a tope, then hits an Itsuguri on the apron. Mendoza fires back with a nifty twisting neck breaker. Follow up, Cabrada gets two. Two. The Japanese superstar lands on his feet on a suplex attempt and is back in it. Springboard starts a flurry that leads to a drop kick. Both men land big kicks in the corner. Raul climbs and tries to get the smaller man in a fireman's carry. Kushida fights it off, looks for the hoverboard lock, and then gets it after they do a Spanish fly like spot from the top rope. So Kushida defeated Raul Mendoza. And then we get a flashback to Ray Ripley's Night and Raw. We learn she'll be here next. Well, we come back to a commercial. We come back to commercial to a pre-taped of Mitchell interviewing Tyler Breeze about what the performance center means to him. Interrupted by Austin Fury, who shades Prince Petty, Pretty, but about not being cut out as a megastar. Breeze takes his pick, and then when Fury asks why, he says he looks like a flash in the pan. Well, the NXT Women's Champion enters the performance center. She says that if Charlotte Flair is going to play mind games, she'll have to step up. She admits this is the biggest match of her career, but what gets her through is knowing that the Queen is knowing that she will knock the Queen on a raw last, and she gets much further. Flair shows up, but shuts down the "you don't go here" chant with the "I built here." Charlotte says Rhea's issue won't be too much for the eighty thousand chant in her name. It might or may not be more or less than eighty thousand. It might be zero. It's going to be that she's too much for her to handle. At Mania, she's going to take Ripley too deep water and drown the next big thing. The champ doesn't wait to hear anything else and attacks to the brawl after bouncing Ripley's knee off the ring post. 
After locking a draping figure four on her around the post, Charlotte f- poses with the belt while the champ writhes in pain. Well, Walter gets a video package that ends with Finn Balor holding up a passport and saying, of the hype for the NXT UK champ that lies, travel faster than the truth. But nothing travels faster than the coronavirus. Remember that, people. Social distancing. distancing. After a commercial and a little hype for the Performance Centre, we see Mia Yim being interviewed. A van speeds by and two guys in Lucha Mars jump out and abduct Raul Mendoza. Of course they do. Up next, Deanna Peruzzo versus Tegan Knox. The Virtuosa gets the early advantage. The early advantage. Easy <coughs> for you to say. Take two. <laughs> two. The Virtuosa gets the early advantage by targeting Knox's left shoulder, which the announced team remind us was banged up in last week's cage match. Near fall off a suplex, but Tegan is able to reverse a cannonball meets Peruzzo's knees, and a follow-up bicycle kick gets to Fujiwara armbar, but Knox powers out. Shiniest wizard. Victory. Two. Tegan Knox defeated Deanna Peruzzo via pinfall to earn a spot in a takeover number contendership ladder match. So, just to go back to your point about uh, Dakota Kai winning the cage match, the loser actually gets advanced to the number one contender's what, what, what ladder the fuck? match. What the fuck? Well, we see the tag champs full of entertaining sales, full of break. After it, we get another, probably, teaser for Killer Cross. Maybe not, though. Maybe, maybe not. Cannot confirm. <laughs> tag title... Time and the challengers enter with their teammates Roderick Strong and NXT champ Adam Cole. And NXT champ Adam Cole. Baby! Sorry, I forgot you were trying to leave me in for that. Before the champs enter, Velveteen Dreams music plays. He's on the balcony. He's only there. He says there are four little men in the PC ring, but only has his eye on one. And that's Cole and the belt. Oh, because he was never interested in Roddy or his family. They're just tights. He holds it up and throws the tights with Rena and Troy over his shoulder. It's also Dream's plan. Strong was just dumb enough to fall for it. So he wants to talk about the main event of TakeOver Tampa. Dream versus Cole. Well, the champ tells Velveteen to dream on. (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Next week, Cole is having a celebration as he'll be the longest reigning NXT champ. He says he and Roddy will head after Velveteen and end this right now. But Dream says not so fast and signals for the tag champs music. My pick in the Dusty Rose tag team classic that didn't get knocked out in the first round, the bros awaits. Yeah, so we're going to get the tag titles online right now. Unsputed era, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish versus Matt Riddle, bro. Nice t-shirt, by the way, Dan and Pete Dunn. It's in quarantine. <laughs> it's self-isolating. You can't self-isolate a t-shirt, you'll be fine. It may or may not have been self-isolated on top of a fire <laughs> in a dumpster truck, but we'll see. We'll see what happens as uh, we start off with Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunne. So what do you think of your picks then, the bros awaits as NXT Tag Team Champions? Well, Pete Dunne's great, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's part of the Magnificent Seven, of course he's great. He's magnificent as he grabs a leg and him and a... Uh, Handsome Kyle O'Reilly are going into it. You know, so I've dodged a question. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but can the era tonight start fulfilling their prophecy again? As Matt Riddle comes into the ring, he doesn't come into the ring like a normal man. He comes into the ring like an idiot. Mm. And this is probably one of the last shows we're going to see with a crowd in attendance. Well, it's going to get a bit weird soon. But Shit gets weird. Yeah. Well, it's already got weird because Matt Riddle's coming. So, you know. Yeah, bro. But the Unspeed Era looking to try and get back. On top, and of course, Adam Cole and Roderick Strong at ringside. Does the numbers help them in this one? Um, they're certainly there to provide a distraction, especially for someone as dumb enough as Matt Riddle to fall for said distraction. As Fish back in the corner, O'Reilly now. 
And Dan's favourite Matt Riddle now did a little dance in the middle of the ring. And Riddle's going to blow you. <laughs> so is uh, there? I'll take it they're in the performance centre because this is the kind of start where things. Yeah, when fan. WWE had to, uh, yeah, move things around. And obviously, kind of not have any social distancing at the moment. No, as now Riddle and Dunn with double gut wrenches. Now the feud, they're going to have to regroup to the outside. I tell you what, Bruiserweights has have been on a bit of a tear recently. There's no doubt about that. Not lost uh, in 2020 so far. Of course, tag team championships on the line here could be in jeopardy. We've talked about it before. But hopefully, Pete Dunn. Well, do you want to see Pete Dunn turn on Matt Riddle, or do you want to see Matt Riddle turn on Pete Dunn? I want to see Pete Dunn turning on Matt Riddle, <laughs> beating a fuck. No, actually, I want to see Matt Riddle turn on Pete Dunn, and that means Pete Dunn to get the victory in the end. Yeah, exactly. In a steel cage match, and then lose the next week in the number one contendership match. Absolutely, fucking lutely. And Riddle at the moment dodging. Oh, O'Reilly and Fish. But didn't dodge O'Reilly's big boot to his stupid dumb fucking face. Well, he's your favourite. He's your pick, like we say. No, Pete Dunn was my pick. No, use Matt Riddle is your pick as well. So you have to you have to go with it. <coughs> one of us is a huge Matt Riddle fan. One of us has got a Matt Riddle T-shirt. Which one of us is that? Well, they're two different people. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got the T-shirt, Sunshine. Yeah, exactly. So that means you're the fan. So you're the fan. You've got the T-shirt. You picked him. I've never picked Matt Riddle on anything we've ever done. Who's put money into Matt Riddle's pe- pocket? Who bought the T-shirt? <laughs> you, why did I buy the T-shirt? Because I let you win predictions. How did you let me? You What happened last year? I can't remember. Why are you wearing that Matt Riddle t-shirt for? Hmm. Exactly. So you've only got yourself to blame, really, haven't you? Well, looking at a t-shirt, James, I don't have to see this t-shirt. I see your t-shirt. You see my t-shirt. Yeah. So who's that punishing more? I'm not wearing it, though. Yeah, but you have to see it. Yeah, I suppose so. Because I've got five chins. I can't look down at well, I don't, I don't see it. T- I'm always looking at your face. My crutch. I know. I'm saying you're not a, uh, <laughs> he's not a sexual object. I apologise. At this moment, Dan's favourite Matt Riddle is in a bit of trouble with the Undisputed Era. This could be a huge victory for the Undisputed Era, especially after Velveteen Dream making him look like a bit like, uh, I'll do an expression, a bit like a mug. Like bit mug. like a mug. Bit like a mug, mate. A bit like a look. fucking mug, innit? <laughs> As Riddle now trying to fight away from fish. So this is kind of going to be the stage and setting for. The uh, WrestleMania, isn't it? Yeah. Bobby Fish jumps over the top rope. Hilo back in into a cover. Two. No, oh. Matt Riddle managing to bro out. Bro. I was, uh, watched a bit of AEW the other day and um, Cody was on commentary and he called out the Guerrero. And, and then someone hit a boss man slam. And I thought, shouldn't we just start doing that? Like a move that is kind of synonymous with a certain wrestler. And I thought, yeah, Eddie used to do that really well. But it's interesting yeah. to see you know that's what we talk about great wrestlers kind of leave their mark and then you've got people like your favourite Matt Riddle yeah. at least we've got Carl O'Reilly in there who's uh, very entertaining Pete Dunne has not been in this match at all he's going to get a hot tag in and come on in fab Cut fab baby he's going to come all over the Undisputed Era <laughs> well the Undisputed Era certainly uh, kind of using their tag team longevity to an advantage I mean they've got Matt Riddle in the Undisputed corner quick tags in and out cutting off the ring and just you know, doing what O'Reilly and Fee. Apart from the revival, I think the Unspeaked Era are best at that, and especially the way they control a tag team match. Is Riddle now got some separation for the tag? Well, hits a Pele kick, but O'Reilly in quick as you like, but Riddle still go over to get the tag to Pete Dunne, who comes in and he's on fire, baby. He's on fire. Throws Fish against the rope, snap German suplex, stomps on his feet, and a kick to the head. We're now still building momentum now. O'Reilly up. comes charging in. 
Oh, a lovely drop kick down low to the knees and just turns O'Reilly inside out. Turns him inside out. Oh, my God. Explex even, even into the arm breaker, but done. Now turn it to the triangle. I loved it when you said that. It was absolutely fucking brutal. And now O'Reilly is really struggling. You've got the three undisputed era members there. Oh. To the uh, out of the ring. Pete Dunn down. Matt Riddle using him as a stepping stone because he can't get over the top rope on his own because he's a fucking idiot. He hasn't got enough talent. He's got to use someone as a stepping stone. It takes out the entire undisputed era, though. But throws strong and Cole in. Um, I think you're a bit stoned, Matt Riddle. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Pete Dunn's just Eddie Guerrero, Adam Cole. <laughs> we just talked about Guerrero. And now Dunn, one of our Mag 7. Oh, I saw it clear as day. Cole strikes him. Don't believe anything Riddle says. And the referee now, what's he going to do, Dan? Oh, you, 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 you're out of here! Well, I think that was Dunn's idea, but fair play to Matt Riddle on that as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, Matt, you, don't, you, you can't do it. You're a fucking imbecile. Well, that will turn the tables. We're talking about the numbers game. Well, Cole and Strong have been sent out of here. Maybe they should have gone to look for Velveteen Dream after all. And now we're back from the break and Dunn and O'Reilly just trading in the middle of the ring. I think these two would have an absolutely fucking awesome match. Yeah, without a fucking doubt. I think this is why their tag team matches have been so good. But that's part of the reason as well, how talented these two guys are. You would definitely say the, the weak links from the apron at the moment in time. Absolutely. But again, Fish comes in, Eddie Guerrero in it, but lands on Pete Dunn's knees. And now Dunn looking for the tag for Riddle. O'Reilly gets the tag in now and grabs the foot of Dunn. Looking for a step up in Seguri. O'Reilly ducks it but gets caught with a kick to the chest instead. Push tag to Riddle. He comes in and he's on fire, baby. Well, it's tepid. <laughs> Kicks he's and lukewarm. <laughs> both men are up. Both men get knees. It's just, I don't mind his moveset. It's just everything else. Do you know what I mean? Explode like, a suplex. Don't mind that. Don't mind the suplexes and the knees and the forearms. Now, a couple of sentons as well. Do you think that he's kind of got the same hype mentality as Mojo Rawley had when he was part of the Hype Bros? Yeah, it's that same, same kind of character. It's overexcited. Just, it's just annoying. That's everything about him. I just dislike. It's as simple as that, really. Like the attire, the fucking hair, the, the no boots, the, the attitude. The, the fact that he picks on someone who would legitimately whip his fucking ass in Goldberg. His face, you know, just everything. But I've turned it round. Going to double German, Dunn and Riddle. Who land on their feet, kick a knee to the head of O'Reilly and Fish. Set out powerbomb from Dunn to, no, O'Reilly managing to kick out. Oh. Well, now Dunn can turn it up, everyone. He's got the arms of Kyle O'Reilly. And he's just stomping away on the chest and jaw. But O'Reilly managing to turn it round, drop the leg of Dunn, who ducks the kick to the head, hits a huge forearm. But O'Reilly responds with a knee to the midsection. Axe kick to the back of the head. Step up in Seguri from Dunn. Lunatic Lariat. He done the Dean Ambrose on Dunn. And Pete Dunn now may be done for O'Reilly. Dunn now manages to get the tag to Riddle. And Fish is a legal guy. He's got Riddle up on his shoulders. He manages a backslide, drops it. Looking for the bro to sleep. And both these guys now just exchanging at the moment. Ripcord knee. The Seth Rollins. Now deadlift German, but O'Reilly's got hold of Fish. Riddle's trying to drag them both into the ring. German bridged. Oh, but Riddle left himself exposed. Knee to the ribs. Two. 
No, Dunn had to save the weak link in his team. Uh, Riley there got the uh, blind tag on Vish. And like I said, the action breaking down now. Pete Dunn going to go to the outside to attack Bobby Fish. Jumps over the top, lands on his feet. Because uh, Fish sidestepped. O'Reilly comes out, knocks Pete Dunn into the crowd. Oh, well now this could be the Undisputed Era. Is there time? And the kick of the Brain Buster into the cover. No, but Matt Riddle just managing to kick out. Uh, I don't think they can believe Riddle's still in this one, but he's fighting back with chops and kicks. Oh, went for the high-low, but Riddle managing to dodge it. Hit Spear on both members of the Undisputed Era. I fucking hate his stupid rolling through Spear as well. <laughs> oh, my God. And here come the grizzled young vets. He said they want to be number one. Well, Gibson and Drake are down on the ring apron. And they're taking the right off the ball. Oh, no. Wait a minute. Was that Gibson accidentally nailed? Oh, I don't think it was an accident. A throat chop to Pete Dunn. Knee to the face. Well, I don't know if they're trying to cost them or trying to help them. They've definitely got a problem with the Broser weights. Bobby Fish gets backdropped over the top rope to take out Gibson and Drake. Stereo knees in the corner to O'Reilly. Boom. The bro to sleep with a kick from Dunn into a cover. Two, three. And the Broser weights retain. Oh, Broser weights win. I think that match wasn't a bad match at all. Uh, I quite liked it, you know, when especially when they got Adam Cole kicked from ringside. I just think the end of it was a little bit messy. I think with Grizzly Young Vets coming out, why did they come? You know what I mean? Why was it at that point? Didn't really make much sense, especially with kind of Dunn making the recovery as well. Yeah, the Unsputed Era lose. Uh, is that what the story's about? Or is it more about Grizzly Young Vets as well? You know, the pros ways have got another contender. How strong are those contenders as well? What are your thoughts on the match and what happened? Um, well, you know, with this, I think the Grizzled Young Vets coming out, they're kind of like, well, we want to jump the queue. We don't care that Undisputed Era have got their rematch clause. We want to make sure that you know we're about. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of their way of making their presence felt. <clears throat> well, Cole's celebration is confirmed for next week, along with a ladder match qualifier pitting Candice Ray against Master. Sadis Martinez and Battle's appearance on tomorrow's NXT UK is hyped. Well, Chomper enters for our main event segment as we get our last commercial. When we return, he's on the mic, goading Johnny Gagano into delivering the explanation he promised. Johnny comes on the big screen, bringing up Tommaso's heel run and how he's the worst person in NXT. Did he miss an apology? Why is he being welcomed back? Well, Blackheart, it doesn't even listen, rolling out the ring and heading backstage to the conference room. Johnny's filming in. He says they're doing it his way. And he attacked, thrown him across the table. Chumper throws Gagano into a plaster wall. And now we go, the brawl is on. Laptop to the back. Fucking hell. <laughs> well, Gagano trying to escape the monster of Chumper. It's like a horror movie at the moment. Well, I can see he's a pitcher to frame Chumper, who kicks it off of him and then uses it to just whack across the back of Johnny. And now Johnny on the run, trying to keep social distancing here. Oh, he's into the trainer's room. Is that Kushida? Trying to use a crutch, and this is something that started all. Crutch oh. to the back of Johnny Gargano. And like I said, what started all the amount of history they got? Well, trainers, EMTs, take this up, but he gets disposed of relatively easily. And we're actually having a tour of the performance centre now as well. Rubbish. It's like your bedroom, James, the amount of posters they got hanging up in it. <laughs> I thought you meant a tissue on the floor. <laughs> now they're into the weight room. Chumper gets sent into the machine. As Chumper turns around, Johnny Gagano throws him into the metal door. And these two men, I mean, I know the rivals hate each other, but this reminded me of a hardcore match in like 2000. 
Oh, speaking oh. A mysterious liquid is sprayed into Chumper's eyes. Oh! As he gets thrown through a plate glass window. Fucking hell. And lands in a bin. Well, where you been? Well, Chumper's in trouble. And like I said, referees, trainers. Oh, but Well, they're down now that Johnny Gagano's just thrown him about. Throws Chumper over a tyre. That's got to be tiring. Without a doubt. And it's Gagano behind this fight. Beating him all over the uh, performance centre. Oh, they're in the gym at the moment. The chumper gets thrown into some uh, weight lifting equipment. Uh, I think Gagano snapped a little bit. Shout out to the referees. And is this a different Johnny Gagano to what we've seen before, Dan, do you reckon? Has well, he literally been pushed over the edge now? <coughs> we certainly have seen a lot of different Johnny Gaganos, and this one seems the most badass as he looks to take Chomper's head off with a dumbbell weight. But Chomper managing to block it. Looks to strike Gagano, hits him in the midsection. And now Champa picking up weights of his own. Oh! Well, looking to throw him at Johnny Gagano's head, who luckily ducks out of the way and he smashes a mirror. Dun-dun, Is that going to be seven years bad luck for Champa? <laughs> now Gagano looking into the lockers trying to get away. Referee saying, there's people out there, damn it. Now these two men brawling into the fans. And what a fight this is now. Gagano with a super kick. Oh, took too long, goad into their fans, and Chumper kicks kicks him in the head and bounces him off a seat. Well, Chumper's had the fight taken to him, but you know about Tommaso. Cheering Daddy's home, and he's saying, wait a minute, Daddy's gone. Well, he's going to take a run-up. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. As he just takes Johnny Gagano's head off with a steel chair. Well, Gagano may be out. Chumper's saying this is his house. Taking a line from Paige's book. A huge champa chant. Well, Gagano won't do this on his own terms. As he grabs Johnny Gagano in a headlock. Oh, my God. Now he's going to look to powerbomb him. No. Gagano fights out of it. Sends him back first into barricade. <clears throat> Gagano running away. He doesn't want any of Champa. But Champa wants more of Gagano as he follows him up the stairs. Oh, my God. Gagano now is going to fall. I don't think he's going to fall. I think he's <laughs> going to be pushed. Talk about getting eliminated from the Royal Rumble. I think Gagano just kicked a tooth out of Chomper's head. Oh, my God. These two men hate each other. Oh, shit. Oh, Bubba. Oh, oh boy. And now the guards moved. And, I mean, that must be at least a 30-foot drop. At least 31 and a half feet. As long as Nigel McGuinness is 14-foot tall. Oh, my God. Gagano trying to take out Chomper. Chomper blocking it with all he's got. Oh, and a running knee to the side of Gagano's head. Both men in a very precarious position. Is Chumper thinking about what he's going to do? And now the Gagano escape right on top of the stage. Referee's finally figured out where they are. <laughs> Made his way up there trying to get Gagano to relinquish mission hold. Oh. Not the dancing referee. That dancing referee gets clocked. And Gagano sends a message not only to Chumper, but to everyone in NXT. This is not the same Johnny Gagano. This is dangerous, Johnny. Johnny means business. Johnny business. As he super kicks Tommaso Ciampa dangerously close to the edge. And Gagano now is going to put Ciampa away and throw him off the stage. Oh, Ciampa grabs Gagano. Oh, my God. Don't do it, Ciampa. Don't you dare. No. (laughs) Sends Johnny Gagano through the announce table with that widow's bell from the top. Oh, my God. God. Almost. Holy shit indeed. Jesus Christ. Almost crushing both men there. 
Unbelievable way to end NXT. Champa Gagano. I don't think either guy will be until the other one's dead at this point in time. Indeed. Right, so we move on to our next episode of NXT March 18th. And this will be different, but it starts with a standard last week on NXT Open. Then it's time for our host, Triple H and Tom or Todd Phillips. They're in Stamford, Connecticut. Tom tells us that he'll be checking in with Ray Ripley and Finn Balor. Triple H says, first, we'll take a unique look at the Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gagano story. Well, the first video takes us back to their tryout where they put together by happenstance and had instant chemistry, but they were not offered contracts which brought them closer together. They got closer outside the company as occasional NXT wrestlers, then the Cruiserweight Classic happened. Johnny was in and Chanta put into putting him round first in take two. Johnny was in and Chompa talked Hunter into putting him in. Oh, fucking hell. <clears throat> Take three. Johnny was in and Chompa talked Hunter into putting him, him in. <laughs> James, can you do this one, please? Well, Johnny was in Hunter into putting him in the first round. They talk about how great their match was. And after talking about how their artist, they switch a bit to kayfabe. As Smosser says, he kind of let Gagano win. And Johnny says he knows he's better. They signed, and we talk about forming their tag team and chasing the revival. Chomper says he doesn't think he would have tapped out at Takeover Two, but Gagano says that drove him to need the that drove them to need to win the belts at Toronto. The championship win was a screw you that they didn't belong or wouldn't make it in the WWE. Well, after commercial DIY talk about living the dream as champions and how their friendship and partnership grew over the time, Johnny said it didn't go the way they wanted it to, but. What can you do? Tomasa said he was banged up, needing surgery on both shoulders. He wasn't himself, and Garner thinks his priorities changed. AOP took the belts on the first try, and he couldn't get them back. Chumper mentions they were living together with Candice LeRae, and he knew Luez didn't know what he was going through. Both guys say that in Toronto, the crowd was chanting for Johnny. They're both competitive, and they were try- they were going to be issues. When they went to Chicago to try and win back the titles, Chumper knew Gagano had to be considering his options. After the break, we see highlights of that match and Tommaso's attack on Johnny. Well, Chomper's position is a business decision to make. This is moment for he went off for surgery. Garner thinks it was to make sure they were both out for the same amount of time. Johnny struggled but got things together and earned a total shot. Tommaso points out he didn't attack until after Garner lost to Andrade the first time in Philly. When he got a rematch with his crew on the line, Chomper didn't wait. Well, we get more commercials, and this is probably half the show. Well, we cover Johnny and the fans haunting Tomasa while Gagano was away, building up to New Orleans. We get more highlights and less interview now. We see Johnny winning his job back at the takeover, but Tomasa says even though he lost, he was a star that night, and at Chicago 2, two. he was again, but he won. Johnny's interference helped Chumper win the title, which caused everyone to realise they missed the boat on him. It's also caused Gagano to start using his methods, but just when Tomasa, he had to go for neck surgery. Well, Chomper is crushed, and Johnny says fate stepped him to give him a shot at Adam Cole for the NXT title. We get highlights of Gagano's two out of three falls win at New York to become a Grand Slam champ. Tommaso greeted him on stage with Candice and said it felt right to put it all behind them. Johnny said he saw his best friend for the first time in a long time and got caught up in it. But while Chomper was out, Gagano struggled again, and when Tommaso comes back, NXT welcomed him, so Johnny did what he thought the fans wanted. He reformed DIY, but it was clear Chomper was the face of the brand at that point, and he decided to go right after Cole and the belt. We're at the top of the hour now, and Phillips and H reset. Trips puts over how important getting back and getting the belt back was to him. Back to the documentary, Gagano says again he was caught up in it. 
at this point and just happy for his friend. We get to Portland and Johnny turning to allow Cole to keep the belt. Tommaso says the difference is that he gave Johnny a chance to win the belt at TakeOver Philly. Philly! But Gagano took his chance away from him. Well, the final interviews are Johnny going full heel and seething. Last week they tore apart the building that made them. Chump says next time they face off, they likely end each other. Time for a look at Finn Balor. Triple H says when he came back to NXT, he had a different look in his eye. The video package takes us all the way back to his first NXT run. This really establishes his sense of ownership for the brand. We see his debut and a new interview where he says in 2014, Prince Devitt was one of the best in the world. So NXT did what it does and signed one of the best in the world. We get more commercials and then we see Mick Foley and Stephen Brown pick Finn in the brown split draft. Raw wanted the best and they picked him. Balor talks his run to the Universal title and his injury. He's still speechless when he discussed it in an interview. But he says it wasn't poor Finn because he had just proved how good he was. Nine months out of rehab to come back at 100%, but something's changed. The changed. Jinder Mahal, Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley have have their best matches with him, but he's the common denominator. That sets up his Royal Rumble shot at Brock Lesnar. That's That was when he felt like he hadn't felt since NXT. Brock beat him and made him realise what he'd been missing. Lesnar saved his life because it brought back the passion to Finn Balor. He knew he needed to wrestle and he needed to wrestle in NXT. Well, he's addicted to the adrenaline and the pain and for three years it was missing. Action figures and autograph signings are great, but he just wants to get in the ring and prove he's the best. And the place to do that is NXT. He knew that then, and he had to stop pleasing everyone else and start pleasing himself. A bit like I do. He's not going to be doing this for much longer, and he wasn't going to waste another three years of WWE doing something other than what he craved. So he went back to 2014. He tells Gagano it wasn't personal, it was for himself. Then it's footage from TakeOver Portland. Finn says these are uncertain times, but one thing is certain, he'll get in the ring. Walter and get what he wants. He knows there are lots of guys in NXT who have the same thing as he does. So if they want it, all they have to do is step to him. We get a WrestleMania commercial and a seg to Triple H talk about how big that Charlotte Flair used her Rumble win to come after the NXT title. Now we get videos of the evolution of the nightmare. When she signed and entered into the first May Young Classic, she was coming from being a big fish in a small pond in Australia. She was too eager to please everyone and trying to be like Charlotte or even Lana. For the second tournament, she did it for herself. Her favourite thing is proving people wrong. NXT UK gave her a chance. We see highlights of her winning the tournament to become the first champ on that brand, even though everyone thought Tony Storm would. Well, she was dominant for a year plus in NXT UK and she felt she faced everyone there. Meanwhile, Basler was rolling the roost in NXT, so Rhea decided to come show everyone who she is. You haven't beaten me, bitch moment takes us to our last commercial. We see some Survivor Series highlights, and Ripley says that after everyone knew her name, but the one thing she was missing was the NXT title. She wins the belt and talks about how great it was to celebrate in the ring with fans. That was a great ending for 2019, and she started 2020 as champ. Watching Charlotte win the Rumble, Rhea thought everyone has seen her main roster feuds. Well, they weren't saying news, so she went and challenged her. We've shown Flair coming to NXT to attack. Ripley says 2020 has been a roller coaster, but Mania is still on, moving to the performance center, puts it in her environment. Charlotte feeds off the crowd, but no one will be there to Woo! back to her at Mania. It'll just be her. She's walking in champ, and she'll walk out champ. Well, Tom or Todd Phillips and Triple H wrap it up. Hunter says he knows what's coming at Mania and it'll be like nothing we've seen before. And that will be true. What a weird episode of NXT, I will say. 
We'll move on now. Maybe this is what NXT is going to look like. I, I don't know for how long, but March 25th, we get a quick intro about Triple H coming to deal with Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gagano's issues. Then Tomatov Phillips and Byron Saxton welcome us to an empty full sale. <laughs> an empty full sale. <laughs> <laughs> well, Austin Theory versus Tyler Breeze is our first match. Theory brought his phone and takes a selfie before Breeze's entrance to mock his opponent. Well, Prince Pretty catches Austin with some kicks of his own as soon as we return to the ad break. Two running forearms, but Theory dodges the third and catches Breeze on his shoulders when he goes for an insiguri off the ropes. Spin-out powerbomb gets two. Two. Theory drags Breeze to the floor asking Tyler if he wants to take a picture. He ignores the count and throws Breeze through the barricade. Well, Theory is mumbling to himself about Breeze calling him a flash in the pan as he stomps Tyler down. He retrieves his phone while the ref checks on Prince Pretty. He's videoing what he hopes will be the finish, but that lets Breeze slip off his shoulders to hit the beauty shot. And Tyler Breeze defeats Austin Theory. After some hype from Alden Cole's celebration, another commercial, then another match. Yes, it's Killian Dane versus Tahuti Miles. Dane drives a miniature vet and Maryland football player into the corner at the bell. Miles brags about being too fast for the big Irishman and proves it for a second, but gets caught and thrown down. Dane pump kicks him off the apron then tosses him into the steps into the barricade until Killian throws it back into the break to count. More offence and a two count two. off a suplex. The Hootie tries to punch through but gets suplexed again. Eventually he gets a boot up on the charge and avoids a follow-up. Strikes and a drop kick but Dane won't go down. Slam, sent on, fade a bomb. That's it. Yeah, Killian Dane defeats the Hootie Miles via pinfall. And another reminder, Trips is here. Then another break with more matches after. And then it's Tony Nice versus Cameron Grimes. Solid grappling at the open. The former cruiserweight champ controls this, getting a near fall in the midst of it. Grimes sidesteps the charge and drops Nice throat first on the ropes. Cameron in control for a while until Nice rolls through a sunset flips, kicks Grimes in the face. More kicks and he pulls the North Carolinian face first into the ropes. He gets two off a follow-up springboard moonsault. Superkick gives Tony Nice the idea to go for a running knees. But he gets a forearm for his trouble. Cave-in follows and the victory for Cameron Grimes. Well, ladies up next. But first, more commercials. Get a reminder about the angle where Zia Lee broke Elia or Nymph's nose a couple of months ago. Yes, it is Zia Lee versus Nymph or Elia. The boogie one is out without Vanessa Bourne, which makes sense given the prevailing circumstances. But then we see Zia crying and holding her leg backstage. Well, I, I a uh, lobbies for DQ win, but Greg Hamilton informs us that that is someone who is cleared. It's Io Shii, the genius of the sky, gets an early advantage, but Alaya gets a little offense in before a backbreaker. And the top rock moves like quickly wrap it up. So Io Shii defeated Alaya or Numph to, uh, to get a shot. In the number contendership ladder match, whenever that takes place. After a commercial, we get a quick teaser for Dexter Loomis or TNA Sam Shaw. Then the North American champ enters for an interview with John Quasto. Keith Lee is asked what happened when he spirit bombed Dominic Dijakovic after beating Cameron Grimes and being attacked by Damian Priest. He explains it was a mistake and he owes Double D an apology. That brings out Dijakovic. He doesn't care about the apology. He wants a title shot. They're about to beef a bit when Priest arrives. He asks about Dominic's knee and Lee's back. Then asks for a title shot. He doesn't want the belt, but what it brings. More money, more women, more fame. Keith tells him to bring it and Damian gets out his knights in the ring. Well, Dijakovic shoves Lee out of the way and stomps on Priest. The champ shoves him back and things break down and the scene ends with Double D taking out both men with a dive. More ads than the champ is here. It's Adam Cole, baby! Well, the champ is poolside on vacation. While there, Adam Cole was thinking about how Velveteen Dream got to him in the last few weeks. 
but then he realised the longest reigning NXT champ, the man who won the first ever War Games in NXT, doesn't get flustered. Dream hasn't earned a shot at him, but his undisputed era boys are rich into experience the experience. So Bobby Fish is set to face Dream in the coming weeks. And that will prove that he doesn't deserve a shot at Cole's belt. Well, our next match, Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink versus Only Lorkin and Danny Birch. Vink starts with Birch while the announcers remind us the Aussies were on Raw against Street Profits on Monday. Shane blasts Birch off the apron and gets the tag. And then Vink with the massive STO on Lorkin. Now, Oni's in peril, but that doesn't last long. E- Maniac, grab- Maniac lariats from Lorkin and both men get tags. Birch grabs Vink. For a cutter, more offence than Danny locks in the crossface. Only stops form from breaking the tag and gets half crab as both their opponents tap at the same time. So only Lorcan and Danny Birch defeat Shane Fawn and Brendan Vink via submission. Isn't Brendan Vink a really fucking god-awful name? It is fucking stupid. Well, Candice LeRae versus Caden Carter's up next. Well, LeRae with the first and fourth for each wrestler mirroring moves prompted a standoff and Candice offers a hand which is taken the first meaningful cover comes with Carter hits a back kick off the ropes right to the race face Candice fights back for a cover of her own but it's Caden moves away from the senton Money knee gets two two then the right fights back Gagano escapes his foot off but a senton hits Moonsault misses but Ray is able to get a family submission locked in on the second try yes Candice LeRae defeats Caden Carter via submission and the ladder matches in two weeks and there's still one spot Open. Up next, it's Dan's favourite, Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong. Riddle fist bumps some imaginary fans on his way to the ring. Roddy is very proud of himself for nailing the boom in Era's entrance all by himself. Well, the role like this was the BJJ gym. The bro gets an advantage with moves like a gut suplex. Roddy ducks between the ropes a few times to get the moment. Strong eventually traps the right arm and hits some Utah knees to the ribs. Big striking exchange, Roddy lifts Riddle and drops him midsection first on the we go to a break. Roddy in control when we return, but Bro nails a series of kicks. Pele puts Strong down, running forearms and a Broton, but Roddy catches the PK attempt and locks in a Boston Crab. Riddle gets free, Bro to sleep, bridge in German, one, two, no, kick out. Uh, Strong slips out of Bro Derek, running high knee followed by an Olympic stand for a near fall. Bro sidesteps high knee but gets caught by a second later, running forearms while Matt is in the ropes, but he catches Roddy on one. Bro Derek connects... And Matt Riddle defeats Roderick Strong via pinfall. Well, two guys run into attack and it's not undisputed. Two big long-haired bruisers, they beat down Riddle and here comes Malcolm Bivins. He doesn't tell us who his clients are, but he does say he wants to introduce Matt to the future of the tag team division. A rundown of next week's card, including a second chance gauntlet match for the final spot in the number one contender, featuring the women who missed out on their first try and Zia Lee who was taken out before she could. Keith Lee will also defend his North American title in a triple threat match against Dominic Dijakovic and Damian Priest. Well, Triple H is out to address Chump and Gagano. He can barely start out in a rivalry when Chump's music hits. He basically says, let's cut to the chase and get Johnny out here. Hunter says there will be no physicality, but he agrees. Gagano is here to complain about being fined for destroying the performance centre when it was Tommaso's fault. Chump even drove, dove through a window to try and get away from him. Triple H said if it was up to William Regal, but he wants to give them this opportunity, but he wants to give them one more chance, there will be no physicality. Well, H gets it, there will come a day when they look back on what they had, but now he knows they need to end it, and it should end on the biggest stage of them all. Both are interrupting him, saying they don't need anything but a ring, a ref, and a cameraman. It's about who's the face of the company, who's the heart and soul of NXT. 
He offers them a chance to end it now, but Johnny says he needs two weeks. Triple H says he'll find an empty building, give them a ref, and they'll end it. And if it continues past then, he'll fire both of them. Trips is going to send the location, and it'll be over. They close with some final promises to win, and then Killer Cross's video plays. We clearly see his face as all three men look up at the big screen as our screens fade to black. And that's the show. Wow, so that's NXT update for the month. Dan, what are your thoughts on NXT this month? Um, well, it started off all normal and all well, and then it kind of went a bit crazy. We had the, like, the Johnny Gagano, Tommaso Ciampa story for an episode, and like seeing them in an empty arena, it's it's really weird. But you know, it's something crazy that's gone on in the world. <laughs> that NXT has been brilliant, I think, this month, especially dealing with all the changes. Like we've seen the Ciampa Gagano feud coming to an end. Of course, the Kai and Knox stable cage, but probably the match of the month. As well, and of course, even Charlotte was really, really enjoyable because we know there's going to be new challenges to the tag team titles as well. Well, I mean, it's interesting because um, AEW low on TNT scored another rated victory over WWE NXT when the USA know it during this week's edition of the Wednesday Night War. Is that the one where Chris Jericho hit a promo on a fucking drone? Yeah, yeah, no, it was really, really good actually. Yeah, according to uh, figures. Dynamite garnered 819,000 viewers. NXT averaged 669,000 viewers during the two-hour broadcast. Uh, so that is it for NXT update. Uh, we just say we have been using... Well, I'll tell you what we'll say. Next weekend, we've been thinking about it, or our next episode. And uh, during all this, lot, we are just going to have the one live show. We'll bring that to you Sunday night, and that'll be at 9 o'clock. And uh, we'll be live for that to bring you all there. But we will be live tweeting WrestleMania on Saturday. Uh, Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at WWE Network Review. Or at Vince McDan WWE. I'm at John Score Rollins. You got uh, because we've been using we try to use Twitter a little more. Dan always has a go at me. What's the one thing I do? I always say that you don't have enough social interaction with our followers, with our listeners, with you know, with everyone. So James has kind of been pulling his finger out and putting his thumb on his phone exactly you'll be putting your finger in of course as well uh, so we've been using Twitter a lot and we just like to say thank you everybody because we have just reached 6,000 followers on Twitter so uh, you know I mean don't get me wrong Joey Ryan did like a few of our tweets but didn't become our 6,000 follower which is a bit of a disappointment uh, but also on Twitter this week we've had Vampuro responding to us we've got an exclusive from Vampuro Dan uh, but could be, he said that all I've got to do is ask him to be at Wrestlemania and he will be there. And he will indeed. be there as well. So that would be interesting to see that. Um, of course, we've had lots of Twitter po- polls. We had one up at AEW versus NXT. What was a better show? AEW beat NXT 64% to 36 And of course, we've got a couple other polls up there as well. Should WrestleMania keep going? Uh, which we'll say on the live show next weekend. But one other thing as well. We'll talk about a Twitter follower of the week that we're going to do every week. And basically on Twitter, someone who likes or retweets us even the most or someone that, you know, we, we kind of like what they're saying as well. They'll be our Twitter follower of the week. And uh, it's about time we announce our very first one. Of course, the winner not only will be added by the WWE Network Review, but also be able to uh, suggest a subject that me or you can watch or play or whatever it listen to if it's a song or anything like that. And Dan, would you announce our, our winner of the week? Our winner of the week is Trent Wade, and that is at Wadeboy1991. Yeah, so we'll be DMing you soon. 
to you, uh, well, getting in contact with you and, and asking you what you want to see on the WNR podcast. And that's a big thank you to you as well. And, of course, next week we'll announce, our, well, at WrestleMania, when we do our live show, of course, we'll announce the next Twitter follower of the week. And that is it. Don't forget, like I said, you can follow us at WNR Review or... At Vince McDan WWE. Uh, I'm at John Score Rollins across all the Google platforms. Send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. I don't know if we actually, I got, we've got an email if we're on Alexa or not. I'm not sure, but ask them and see what they say. You know, because I haven't got the Alexa because obviously it records stuff uh, uh, when it's offline, if anybody didn't know that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. You can come and find our page and give us a like with the WNR podcast. You can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Yeah, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, WNR Podcast. We've got the latest clips on there. Like the Joey Ryan clip like we had on Twitter had over a couple of things it is. Uh, all that stuff is on there as well, WNR Podcast. The latest podcast go up on YouTube. Same time they do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. Hey! I've been doing it for that long. Nearly forgot. Of course, Freak Radio will be live next Sunday. Stitcher Radio and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. But that is it. Like I said, I've been James Rowlands, and as always, I was joined by... Damn right. Stay safe, everybody. Keep social distancing, unless you absolutely have to. Bye. Bye.